Thanks for downloading this podcast. It's for personal use only and must not be broadcast, reproduced or used in any form without permission. Tell your friends they can get their own copy wherever they get their podcasts. Midweek Motorsport. News, features, special guests, and analysis from the experts. Formula One, sports car and endurance racing, rallying, touring cars and bikes. If it has wheels and an engine and they keep score, it's on Midweek Motorsport. Hello everybody, good evening and welcome. Uh, this is Series 19, episode number 4 of Midweek Motorsport. My name's John Hindhoff and in the next two hours, well, I'll let someone else tell you what will be going on because up in London is our executive producer, Tim Gray. Good evening, Tim. Good evening, John. And in the next two hours... What will be bringing the listener? We'll be bringing the listener all the usual features. Excellent. Uh, there's some news. Uh, yes. We've got a big interview. Um, and if I look over here at the email you sent me earlier, I'll be able to tell you who that big interview is with. Well, we're mm. going to try and get Riley Dickinson on the, uh, on the line. Uh, as he was one of a number of great Porsche stories uh, over the weekends. Uh, the guys from Penske Porsche, of course, won. All four of them first-time winners at Daytona 24 Hours. And Riley and his teammates won in the Michelin Pilot. The guys from Porsche Penske have been very busy today doing all kinds of round tables. So we're going to give them a bit of a break and get them on the show next week. Sounds fair enough. Okay. A uh, bit of housekeeping from me. Uh, welcome to all of our listeners in New Zealand, where we are the number 88 sports podcast. Really? That's yes. pretty good. Yes, very good. Number 88 sports podcast. Yes, in, in, in terms of podcasts about sport, all we sport. are the 88th most listened to in New Zealand. Wow. Last week. This That's week it might be different, but last week, 88th. Fantastic. Um, uh, I'll do some of the other um, housekeeping on parish notices then, uh, as you've got started already. Um, hello to Johnny Main, who says it's EFA from him tonight as his application to listen live has been declined due to him not being uh, bringing along any quality contribution to the show, uh, although the collective can't believe it and there are shock faces all round. Catch you on the download, he says. Um, I've just had an update on that, actually. Change of plans now, listening live after all, after he's bought his way in with a works engine. Excellent. Can't imagine what story that is about, Johnny. Um, also, <laughs> hello to Brody. No AFA's time on the turbo trainer is complete this week. So F1 and MotoGP together. Um, and on the track at the same time, too, question mark? Well, I'd, I'd take it. Uh, Ian McCarthy. Oh. Um, Ian McCarthy. 
says EFA tuning in from a giant freezer about the size of Hungary. It is it actual Hungary? No, because Hungary's quite warm this time of year. Yeah, applauding you for a remarkable weekend's coverage, even by your brilliant standards. Uh, Dave Alcock says, glad you and the team are back safely. Looking forward for the show. Jamie Dwyer, no airfares tonight. Question for Nick. Um, will Andretti take up liberty, taking liberty in form of court? Not sure they can't. Uh, and... Uh, tuning in tonight, Professor Sch- uh, Schadenfreude. Hope you give the Mazda MX-5 Cup a mention on how fantastic it was. It was fantastic. Uh, hello to Peter Kate as well, who's tuned in tonight. Let me see who else has uh, just dropped in as well, because all of a sudden I have 20 new uh, notifications. Jesse Young, EFA is another cracking Rolex. Uh, hugely excited about the Bathurst entry list. We'll be talking about that, actually, as well tonight. Something else we are talking about. EP says hello. He'll be talking about it and listening in of the stories of greed and money. Um, Dave Altbock hoping there might be a comment or two from Nick Damon. How have we got extra profiteroles for him this evening? Whilst Motorsport Marshall says, how big's the sword box? Phil Anson. Hello, Phil. Great work of the week. Weekend at Dubai 24. We'll be having a bit of a chat about that uh, as well. Uh, in the F1 season review, when you asked us the question whether there would be an 11th team and 11th team 26, Nick said, I hope so, but probably not. I stupidly said, yes, says Phil. I humbly bow to himself with much clearer foresight, as if uh, it seems I may have been in the frosted bubble for too long. Ah, Phil. But I loved your boyish enthusiasm, uh, to be honest. Hello, Carol Brink. Nice to know that you're tuned in tonight. Viz Patel also tuned in. Jerry Z running around like a chicken without a head. He'll be catching up on uh, the archive later in the week. Uh, hello to Cooper Hoffman. No AFAs today. Uh, soon to be wet San Jose, California. Ready to hear the wrap up. Oh, yeah. And. Uh, Kept the kept the nuptials quiet, Cooper. Thank you very much, indeed. Um, in uh, July and August, he's going to be getting wet. July or August, I don't know. One of the two. But we wish you and your fiance all the best. Uh, right turn, lover, on his way in. Ed Woodin Creations, listening live from tomorrow. That's very good. Only ten days now till I pack the car. Eleven till I start driving. 1200 kilometers it'll be 13 days before i get to bathurst not that he's obsessed with getting to bathurst hello to steve price from lucky sons tuned in tonight ives down will we get a hooray or more of a what the hmm. fair point well made uh neil's on his way as well our resident artist our artist in residence simon hoff no af is today uh, Carol, by the way, and Kevin both tuned in this evening. Alexander Sagas, EFA's tonight. That really enjoyed catching up with Day 224. I'm just past the 12th hour mark. Ooh, excellent. Uh, the Crotch Belt's live for the first time in a little while. Ooh. Yes, it is. Good to see you, Wick. Robert Best is tuned in live. Stuck fuel uh, nozzle. <laughs> it says the UF 
SF1 t- web server is down and being repaired. Very good. Uh, we have not gone, as many have reported, more news soon. Um, that was from 2010, but yes, I see what you're saying there. Sarah Rigby, uh, what a fab. Rolex tuned in live, relaxing after my first morning back at work since my up. Hope you're recovering well, Sarah. And Moni is tuned in on the drive to Portland, Oregon. And L.A. Filipponi, glad to hear there was nothing controversial that happened in our world between last week and today. Rolex coverage, fantastic. Thank you. A big team effort, a really big team effort, actually, this weekend. More even than usual. Shuffle your papers, Tim. It's time for the top story. All the latest motorsport news from around the world. Midweek Motorsport. I have to say, I am enjoying the remixed uh, jingles this evening, Tim. (laughs) Yes, they might take up a little bit too much time in the show. Uh, It's Zara playing up, isn't it? Mm. Our Zara. Mm, need to clean out, I think. She's uh, she's getting a new machine to play with or to play on Is tomorrow. She? Yes, excellent. So uh, I actually quite like the Max Headroom esque. Sorry, that's one for a certain part of the audience. Uh, what's the top story tonight? If I need to ask. Uh, well, first of all, I'd like to introduce uh, Nick Damon to the program. Good evening, Nick. Hello, Tim. Hello, John. Hello, everyone out there in listener land. Nick, it seems like only mere hours since I last yes. saw you. It's a long time. You have to wait. You have to, you have to wait till Saturday to see me again. Yes, that's right. Uh, uh, so, for what do we have, Mr. Damon, on standby? And Nick Damon's here for our top story, which is Thierry Neuville. No, 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 it isn't. No, no. 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 Not but even we will. You would do that. We will be talking about him later on. Nick can nip away for a cup of coffee at that point. Uh, yes. Uh, we're going to start with some, rally, yay? <laughs> some Formula One news. Nope, not doing it. <laughs> <laughs> no, we really want you to do it. We really want you to. We think no, it bring something. Not, no, not doing it. it nothing to cheer add- about. And there's nothing to cheer for F1 today. I'm not giving them my... Pup. I'm not giving them my positive affirmation today. Not getting, not getting it. But it would bring so much, so much to the show. All right, I'll give them a boo. Mm. Uh, this is the news that Nick Damon has just been appointed to the FIA. <laughs> well, we're right in the FIA. Yeah. Well, FIA have said yes. So, is this the story we think it is, Tim? Uh, I don't know. What do you think it is? We think FIA say yes, Formula One teams in Liberty say, uh-uh. The man from Del Monte, he say, no. no. Our survey says, yes. Uh-uh. No. No. Mm. Your pineapple is not bringing enough this fruit salad. Formula One has rejected Andretti Global's formal application to enter the sport in 2025 or 2026, but has left the door open to reconsidering the matter in 2028. Yes. Um, First of all, uh, as Phil um, alluded to in his tweet, this is his ex, um, this is not my surprise face. It's my very, very, very disappointed to be proven right face. Are you looking over the top of your glasses even as we speak in a... um, Devil wears Prada. I've got type of no. You've got the contacts in, haven't you? Me. I've got that face on me. Like, 
I mean, it's, you know, it's, you, you know how it is. You sometimes just want to be proven wrong. You just want that, you, you just want to be, you want someone to sh- to do to think out something, do something different, not what we expect them to do. It's like, oh, really? really? And then I mean, to be honest, they managed to make it worse with the reasons they. Oh, oh yes. Oh. Let me they read this. Said, I, no, hang, yeah, on, hang on. Yeah. They just should have said no. They just they should have, they should have said. We at F1 and Liberty Media like cash. We like cash more than we like competition, more than we like giving extra drivers a chance to drive an F1, more than we like having an American team that actually is based in America and actually represents America. In fact, we just like cash. And we believe that having Andretti would mean we'll have less cash, therefore we don't like them. Because that's the fact. It's just about cash. Everything else is a lie or PR Word I can't say, and it's actually insulting. The, yeah. the, the, there's insults. Let, let, let in me what, read this. In what, in what Tim is about to read. <laughs> now, let me just say, dear listener, these are not Tim. The words of Tim Gray. Uh, Tim Gray's words are being spoken by Tim Gray, but they're not <laughs> his. His words. These are the words of an actor. <laughs> we do not believe the applicant would be right, a competitive doctor. participant. However, this could change when General Motors starts producing its own power unit. Okay, so General Motors, General Motors, who've not produced a uh, Formula One power unit uh, ever, ever. Uh, would be more competitive than the otherwise completely unproven power units from Mercedes, Ferrari, and Renault that uh, Andretti would have to use before that. Mm, indeed. indeed. So basically, you're saying that being a customer team adds no value. Even if you so come in with a rubbish um, that's engine, six teams, that's six teams adding no value there. All right. Yeah, good point. Next point, Tim. Next ridiculous point, please. Uh, By the way, dear listener, settle down and get yourself a we, beverage. This could go on a while. We'll look differently <laughs> on an application for the entry of a team in 2028 with a GM power unit, either as a GM works team or a GM customer team designing all allowable components in-house. Do you know why that is? They get more money for that. No, it's because that'll be after the end of the 200 million dilution fund and when they'll have the new dilution fund in. Ah. It's just about money. Because if we're actually honest about this, I am absolutely certain that an engine manufacturer would rather have a customer paying them some cash for their engine they're already making, especially uh, Renault, who only are making it themselves. So this would be a nice little profit centre for them because they obviously charge more than it costs. Um, so they get, rather than just have another engine manufacturer come in. How much is, is an com- engine contract, Nick, roughly speaking? I, I can't, I, do you know what I was thinking about? I, I don't know. It, 50 it is, or 60 it is, mil? It is capped. It's capped at a point where with these engines, which aren't redoing an awful lot of vast development are concerned, um, it is a, it is a, it's definitely a profit centre for the um so 50 or 60 it's mil not, or more than yeah, that? Yeah, yeah. It's not a ridiculous profit. No, no, no. I think it's about 30-something. But it's, it's, right. it's a, but it is a profit centre. They make money out of it. Whatever they say, they make money out of it. And obviously, they can amortise development costs. And in Renault's case, when they say that, they, you know, they can get four... They have more people testing their engine. But that is... This, this state about 2028 is just about the dilution fund, which will have been... Which will, will be, be into another Concord Agreement cycle and they'll up it to whatever it is, 600 million, whatever it is. It's just about... Money. This is nothing to do with the most credible potential entry we've seen since two thousand and ever two. No, since, since Toyota came in, they were credible in fairness in two thousand. Yeah, two thousand two. Oh, yeah, this is the most. This is the most credible new entry, new team entry. No has worked. All the rest didn't. But it's since then. 
And what's it all about, ju- Nick? It's about cash. It, 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 I just wish they'd just say it. It's about money. While the Andretti name carries some recognition for Formula One fans, so. our research so. indicates <laughs> that F1 would bring value to the Andretti brand rather than the other way around. Right, OK, let's, let's analyse this. Right. Let's, no, no, let's analyse this. This is really where they're going to come unstuck with your traditional F1 fan. You drive to Survivors, absolutely. They haven't got the foggiest who Andretti are because they just turned up to watch a soap opera. They don't care about the sport. They don't care about the history. Anybody who was watching before four years ago um, would know about... Mario Andretti is, you know, always there in the argument who was the greatest all-rounder ever. Correct. You know, and and he is a former Formula One world champion in 1978, so he's not just slightly known. His son, yeah, had a not particularly successful uh, race season with uh, McLaren, but still he is a multiple IndyCar champion and has run successful teams. Andretti is a massive name in the world of motorsport. He is present in both FIA and non-FIA series. It is true, Nick. It is true. I, I, this is one of the few things that I believe there's an element of truth in the second part that being in Formula One would be good for Andretti. Yes, it would. Of course it would. Um, I don't see why... Hang on a second. Why is that, not, why is that an argument? Why, well, no, what, no. What, what, that's, well, that's, <laughs> that's what I was going to say. It is true that it would be good for Andretti, but um, I, I... Is it... You could say that of many teams. If Williams weren't in Formula no, One, what are Williams say you know? it for all the other ten teams? Well, exactly. It's good for them now. It's like I mean that is another completely disingenuous statement designed to befuddle the people. The there's first part of it, though, mate, is, is ridiculous. Yeah. Seeing there's that Andretti isn't there doesn't is going, bring anything yeah. to F1. Yeah, there's going to be an outcry in the states about this, um, and that's obviously their, their, their promised land, which they're now effectively, you know, shoving two fingers at. But they're going to come back with this, and the, the newbie fans and the non-motorsport fans won't won't understand the issue. Anybody who's sat on the bleachers prior to 2017 or 2019, actually, mm. um, are going to be going, "Oh, come on!" And this is why this is the point. This stuff that this is the most well, it's it gets not, worse. Galling. It's just this is just rubbish. Just say it's money. Just say we want money. We love money. It's about money. Don't try and just belittle stuff. Because you said you can come in in 2028. Well, we can get more money. That's all right. But now we can't get enough money. It's like, for goodness sake. Next line. We've consulted with representatives of broadcasters, sponsors and circuits and have not been able to identify any material expected positive effect. So they've spoken to Cota... Las Vegas, well, they own Las Vegas, they can talk to themselves about that. And they said, Cota and Miami will get no benefit from an American team. Montreal will get no benefit from an American ESPN. team. It's like, that, again, that just makes no sense. Well, can I just say something about that? They've obviously never talked to any of the other major US networks um, about whether they'd be more or less likely to, take, to pay money for F1 with Andretti on board, because the answer to that would be yes, we would, straight away. I know. There's not a, there's not a scintilla of doubt in my mind that if there was an Andretti team in, that NBC, Fox, and ABC would be more interested in paying more money for the rights, even if it was only for the US-based Grand Prix. Remember, they don't get anything from ESPN at the moment. They give that away to ESPN. They make their money on their F1 TV subscriptions in the States. 
Anything else, Tim? Any more mortgage oh, that doesn't say money? No. Nothing, none of it says no, money. No, nothing more from that. Uh, your thoughts, please, on Wasn't there something else about, about how the, um, the circuits couldn't take an extra two cars as well? Uh, not in the report that I've seen, no. That, oh, had, well, been, well, uh, that had been talked about, about previously, that. yes. Even though the they Brad got... Pitt's team had, had, had garages, oh, yeah, Brad... take garages, and actually the, the rules and regulations within the FIA oh, say your, your oh. car must take, your track must take 26 cars. Yeah. It's actually in the rules. It's in the, in the, agreement, the current agreement. Yeah. So Although there are some tracks that, that don't. don't fit that, well, that, then they shouldn't be homologated. Yeah. It's part and of they, the homologation. And, and you say they don't, what actually means is they just have to squash up a little bit more in the garages. That's all. Mm. Um, that's a good point because Sonny Hayes. So Sonny Hayes is more important than Andretti Racing. He has got very good hair in fairness. Apex Racing. He's not going to take important. any prize money away, is he? Um, no, probably not. So at um, the moment... Space-wise, though, I was talking about space-wise, love. At the moment, uh, the prize money is split ten ways. Yeah. yeah. But why don't they split the prize money twelve ways and keep the uh, two twelfths that uh, there aren't any teams for in a reserve pot for a rainy day? Because the teams would be upset they weren't getting all the money they can get because it's all about the money. Can we have more money, please? Like uh, is money. prize money controlled by Liberty or by the FIA? Liberty. Oh. That'll be from why Steve then. Steve Price, who, remember, is from Lucky Sons. He says, uh, the reasons, all 20 of them, were a total contradiction to what all of the applicants were briefed on when they presented, uh, uh, when they were presenting... Uh, to meet the set criteria. So everything that was there um, yeah. and all the right. reasons that they failed on were 180 degrees away from what they were asked to present. But remember, they were asked by the FIA, not by Liberty. Yes, yes, yes. No, I accept that. So this is, this is I think, and I, I'm going to say this again, we've already talked about this, and Nick is, uh, I'd be interested to say what Nick's got to say about this, this is as much about Liberty sticking their fingers up, both of them, these two, um, to the FIA as it is to snub Andretti. This is Liberty flexing their muscles. This is Liberty saying to the FIA, you don't get to tell us what to do. If you don't try that with us, or we'll go off on our own. That's Honestly, I think, I think Andretti here, and I'm sorry to say this because it's a fantastic name and it seems to be a fairly... It's a name that Robust no one would recognise and which won't bring any value. Us. Well, yeah, good point, though. No, but I, I think it's a really good submission. Um, but I think they've been, I think they've been used as a pawn. They've been used as a stick with which Liberty are beating the FIA. The problem is, the the problem is here, and, and you're not going to believe what I'm going to say next. But the FIA are right in this case, and they approved them to go forward. And Liberty are wrong. Liberty want more Grand Prix in more places, um, in more despotic regimes, to take more money, because that's what they're about, as Nick's rightly said. The FIA want fewer, gr- fewer Grand Prix and more teams. It's not very often that the voice of reason and the voice 
of common sense is the FIA. Well, not in my mind, anyway. However, for me, they've got it right, Liberty's got it wrong. What's the repercussions likely to be, gentlemen? Uh, the big this, this, repercussion this, this, no. is that Oscar Schaffner needs to look for another job. Otmar. Otmar. No, the, the fact is the repercussions are that they have to take heat for about a week till the F1 launches start, and then the, the, the press will go away and talk about the different shade of red the Ferrari is. Um, and how it's Ferraris, yeah. Yeah, and they're going to alienate. Yes, they'll alienate several thousand American fans and hope to replace them with, um, you know, drive survivors. That's what'll happen, and we'll, it'll go on its merry way, and we'll all just, you know, we all, we, we all, F one sort of dies a little, to be honest. It um, needs fresh. You always need fresh blood. And if you look at, you look at the comical, you know, the back of the grid. We now got you. Know, Cash, cash back, tastic Red Bull, or RB, you know, because that's a they're adding so much, aren't they? God, with their fourth name change, it's like get on to that in a moment. Um, Edwardian Creations uh, says the conspiracy theorist in me uh, says that the rejection of Andretti is to further encourage them to buy Haas. Well, if that happens, that wouldn't be the worst thing, and they it'd actually be, be cheaper. For Andretti, ridiculously, it would be less expensive for them to buy Haas than it would be to set up on their own. Yes, but Gene won't sell. Right, well, we'll see. And you can't buy something that no, someone doesn't want to sell, um, especially someone who, when he owns the team himself, and he's a multi-billionaire. And he doesn't need the money, yes. That, yeah. that, that, that's a fair point. Um, if he had shareholders who could, who could stick his arm up his back, he might have a chance, but there's no need for him to do it. Uh, Blurfeind says, the situation with Andretti and F1. Hello, Blurfeind. Loved your motor coach at the weekend, by the way. Uh, very much reminds me of the fight Toyota had to get into NASCAR. This is the good old boy club Europe style. They just don't want anyone new come to play because of greed. It's sad. Now, one thing I would say is that I respect, I honestly do respect the right of any sports series or league to refuse an entry if they just said right at the start look we've got as many as we need we don't want any more then I would have respected that more but what Liberty has done is to ask for submissions um, we've had Lucky Sons on here in the past talking about that whole procedure and, and who was sensible and who could have gone forward and who perhaps needed a bit more work but they did that, and honestly, you could be on the far side of Pluto without a telescope <laughs> looking back at the Earth and still see that Andretti would uh, have... Well, I'll t- the, the other thing about this that really, really annoys me is every hurdle that's been put in the way, Andretti have counteracted. They've, they've gone over it beautifully without even dragging their trailing leg. Um, I pushed that metaphor a bit forward, didn't I? Um, but you know what I mean. Every time there's been a barrier, then every time there's been an objection raised, it's been addressed. Um, the, the GM, GM, the biggest car company in the world. Oh, but that's not going to bring anything to F1. Really? All of that marketing capital that they'll be spending at the track, that they'll want to spend at your, uh, at your paddock club, F1, which is what you still take the yeah. money from. All that on-track advertising, which you still take the money from, 
I tell you what, I hope when they do come, and they will come, I hope GM uh, absolutely eschew spending a penny with a penny more with Liberty and at any of the events than they actually need to. That would serve them right. The thing is, John, what you actually said then, your, your opening line was actually incorrect as far as this is concerned. Because you said you, you uh, accept the rights of any governing body to reject it. It's not. It's not the governing body. It's the, it's the, it's the promotion. Actually, it's like the, you're very right there. It's, like, it's, like the it's like the Premier League saying Luton couldn't come up this year because they're not, not going to bring enough money. Or, or the team That's that got relegated to get more people. It's, this is the point. It's, it's a, it's a, this is a commercial organisation. The entries for F1, the entry fees, the championship is all run by the FIA, for good or for bad. This, and they have literally just fallen on their sword for cash. Let's so what's, so what's the FIA? What, what can the FIA do about it? What will they do about it? I suspect what they well, will do about it is nothing. 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 But what, what could they, they do? do? Oh, well, I suppose they'll, they'll, they'll issue a statement saying they're very disappointed with the um, uh, the outcome of the thing, and, and we're looking to, to you know, it's going to be normal sort of platitudes. They've 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 played what they've done. They have made, in fact, they have done a you know what they've in one way they've 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 done one thing. So they've managed to do a little bit of damage to Liberty and F1's reputation. They've you know they've they make him look bad for a few weeks, which is uh, part of this ongoing. Um, struggle the two of them are having that's helping nobody but you know at the end of the day it's Andretti who lose most because the amount of money they've already invested it's yeah. fans who lose out because you only get 10 teams not 11 and, you always, and more cars is always better than less um, yeah, well. this is better than less I just feel very it's just, everything's less at the moment um, <laughs> but um, yeah you know, a couple of tweets on this then we'll move on Kevin Payne says didn't the FIA ask for submissions and FIA couldn't uh, block them, he says, until successful applications were handed over so they could veto them. Um, basically, yes, you're spot on, but they were meant to actually consider them, Kevin, but I'll get the point of your, submis- of your submission there. And Alex Orchid, hello, Alex. Liberty and F1 officially against teams who don't manufacture everything in-house. I suppose AlphaTauri, Toro, Rosso needs to be shut down immediately then. Mm. And and there are so many, well, basically customer teams, Alex, as Nick said earlier on. If you're not a factory works team with a factory works engine building everything in-house, including the engine and the air, if you're not manufacturing your own air around yourself, um, then, you know, that's, you're not allowed. Sorry, go away. Mm. So how many teams would that leave, Nick, if there were only works teams in Formula uh, 1? Five, it's not four. Uh, five. Okay, so we'd have Ferrari, 10 cars. Ferrari, Red Bull, um, well, Honda, obviously. Um, then you'd have um, Mercedes. Yeah. And you'd have Renault. I've forgotten one. I forgot McLaren? One. I don't know. There's a few Mercedes. I don't know. I, McCla- I, I, I mean, McLaren. McLaren. They don't make their own McLaren engine, do they? No, exactly. I was just about to say, it's not a McLaren engine in the back. What's going to happen is Red Bull will have Red Bull engines in 2026, and Aston Martin will have the Honda engine. Which will so be really bad stuff. And, 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 and of course, Sauber will have an Audi engine. I think we'll have six minutes. Aston Martin don't have an Aston Martin engine. No. So, you know, Honda what they. Uh, by the way, I am say, if you're an Aston Martin fan or you work for Aston Martin, I am saying this for effect, but you know what I mean. I mean, that's just, it's incredible. If you applied what is said in that statement, then we would have 10 cars. Yep. But the statement should say we don't want Andretti in because money. And they'll be much shorter, and everyone, and they'll be being honest. Who's to right? I want to finish off with one final thought. 
because um, we have got other. You going to say who's to blame? Yes, who's to blame? I'll tell you exactly who's to blame. It's uh, the FIA for selling a hundred-year commercial rights to Bernie Eccleston and Max Mosier oh. a backhanded deal back in nineteen when it, two thousand whenever, whenever it was nineteen. You know that hundred-year deal gave too much power to the commercial rights holder at the time was Bernie. Um, so Bernie's to blame. No, the FIA, Max, Max and Bernie's little axis, which which. So, so who was that then? That would have been it's John Todd. Max Bernie. No, it's Max. No, it's Max. Bernie. John Max. Todd gave it to them, though, didn't he? No, no it's Max. Max. Oh, Max, of course, Max. Yeah, sorry. You know, Max you can't, can't really go after Max then. Well, it's 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 all part of this checkered thing that, in some ways, you know, you you read some of the things that Max did were absolutely fantastic, and some of the Max, you know, he's such a fascinating character in everything he's ever done and especially in F1 he got a very very negative rap for what he did at the FIA when a huge amount of it was positive but this sort of stuff was very negative alright shall we move on because I'm, I'm I'm actually I'm tired out actually after that excellent it's, it's probably very disappointing where would you like to go next Tim well I'm going to go to steak mm. Mm. the stakes are high uh, less high for uh, Formula 2 champion Theo Porcher, who was their reserve driver, uh, but now is their co-reserve driver. With whom? Uh, they've just appointed the Bayern Zane Maloney. Oh, so, so they're going to have to put a two-seater then, so they can both reserve together? No, they're going to do it alternately. It's very tiring. It's very tiring standing in the back of a garage for twenty-four races, you know. So if you only go stand in the back of a twelve, yeah, and with the, with the obviously with a with smaller check as well, he'll so combine then, yeah. his duties with uh, a uh, second season of Formula Two with Rodan Motorsport. What's what's Porsche doing? Is he one? He's standing at he the back. Again. He's only standing at the back. So, given the fact that none of the last three F2 champions have made it into F1, do you think we need more seats? No, of course we don't. No, definitely not. Stick with the closed shop. No, we need... Absolutely no change this year. What we need to do is get rid of F2, because it's pointless. No. What does it do? Our money. Thank you. Yeah, sorry. (laughs) Come on, John. Yes, sorry. (laughs) What am I thinking? And not just money for Formula 1 teams, but also money for Formula 2 team bosses who... Uh, will never get the opportunity to uh, race uh, or own a Formula One team now. Because uh, there's, but, there's already 20. But, but still need cars. to uh, make a huge amount of money. Hey, look, yeah, those helicopters don't run themselves, you know. I've never seen a poor junior Formula team owner. F3, F2. Well, Formula, Formula F4, Formula Regional. Anywhere yeah. where there's open testing. Anywhere, anywhere where there's father's open checkbooks. Similar thing. <laughs> Point I'm making. Right, move on. Uh, Joe Bradley. Yes. How would Joe Bradley? Uh, Joe Bradley. Yes, what about As him? opposed to other Joe Bradley, who's much Far younger. Are available. Uh, Are they? Yeah. Uh, he's uh, friends with Rob Smedley. Uh, yes. Because they're both from the north. <laughs> Yes, everyone in the north is friends with each other. It's a well-known fact. You sold Rob Smedley a motorcycle. Mark's like his brother, Rod Smedley's brother, a motorcycle once, didn't you? I think so, yeah. yeah. Yes, I did. No, I did, yeah. 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 One of your first uh, RRs. Thousand RRs. What's going on now? <coughs> anyway, he's uh, added his backing to Felipe Joe Massa. Bradley Joe Bradley's added his backing. He was back- his best mate. Smedley's added his back- backing to... Philippe Massa, Philippe I was, Massa, I was, I was robbed. Yeah, yes. Like, 
Mm. Right, all we have to do is convince everyone it'll cost a lot of money if it will ever happen. That'd be fine. I mean, it's just... You know. I like Philippe Massa, but really... Philippe Massa's lovely. He's one of these people who's got himself into a... You know, he's got a little kind of ball of resentment there, but he doesn't understand that it's... It happens, mate. It happens a lot in motorsport. You just can't let it go. It's no secret that Felipe is a really good pal of mine. He's like my little brother. Everyone should have their personal right to pursue whatever they feel is just. This is something he feels strongly and passionately about. Yeah. Oh, so he's supporting him in... Having a go. Having a go. He doesn't necessarily say that he was robbed. Oh, no. This is Rod Smedley still, by the way, not Joe Bradley. Where this will end, I've got no idea. Yeah. I'd are. like to point out there are at least three more Enius um, miscarriages yep. of justice in uh, F1 championships that we, we need to be investigated first. Mm. So, Shall we start with the most recent and work backwards? <laughs> Whatever not, yeah. No, start at the two. earliest. Let's go back to 1950. Yeah, mm. well. Still some impressions about 58, but there we go. Um, I don't think anyone uh, alive... Uh, is going to be uh, contending that result anymore. I contend 94 all day. Yes. Ofs. <laughs> Two different reasons. Yes. Ofs. Do you see uh, what uh, Damon Hill tweeted today? Yeah, he tweeted an LAT picture um, of David Coulthard at uh, Adelaide. Yes, which someone uh, sent to him saying, uh, please can you sign this uh, photo of you at Melbourne? I t- that I took of you at Melbourne. Despite the fact that the actual print that he had had an LAT watermark on the bottom left corner. There we go. I saw a picture of a, um, a, a really good action picture of a West McLaren battling a Ferrari, mm-hmm. okay? Mm-hmm. Which had a, which was up for £1,000. Do you mm-hmm. know why? Why? Had an Ayrton Senna signature on it. Uh, Interesting. No. Can't have had uh, was dead by then. That was the point. Oh, John. Four years, <laughs> yes. <laughs> it was a picture from like ninety. I think it was actually a ninety-eight picture. Oh, I think actually. And this guy go. You know, this is. You know, it was a very good signature. Just was he wasn't on the right thing <laughs> at the right time. Or is Ayrton said and not dead? No. Is he sitting somewhere, um, just pulling the strings? Like some evil Bond villain on a South Pacific island no. with a volcano on top that he fires rockets of nonsense to pe- out of to people in Formula One. Oh, surely if you can live in a volcano, it'd be in Iceland, wouldn't you? There's plenty in there. It's not real, a volcano, obviously. Oh, that would be fake stupid. volcano. Okay. That would ruin my story. Ed said in fake volcano shock. <laughs> On. I was uh, particularly impressed by Andrew Marriott uh, at the weekend. We always are. Uh, we always are. Because uh, introducing Nico Prost, uh, who was in the Ginetta, he was talking about his uh, famous father and his uh, four world championships, uh, one of which was in 1992. And uh, I was uh, sitting next to Bruce Jones at the time no. and said, Bruce, do you remember... Uh, Alan Frost winning the World Championship in 1992, and he said, no. I think we can allow him to be one year out in the 24-hour race. He's 80 this year. This was at the start of qualifying. Well, that's fine. That's fine. 
Ferrari. Andrew can do no wrong. Listen, Andrew can do no Andrew, wrong. What I love most Listen, about it, Andrew was Andrew, when, when Di did the, did the grid walk, oh. Andrew was, was literally her runner. He was running ahead. <laughs> this is 80. He's 80 this year. <laughs> it's unbelievable. By the way, if Andrew says that Alan Prost won in uh, 1992, I think the FIA should go back and make that so. See, if Andrew Marriott says that Massa was the true winner of that championship, then I might take some notice of it. Well, Anyway, moving on. We've talked about uh, a little Andrew Marriott project, haven't we, John? So maybe that oh, yes. can be part of that. That's a good idea. Moving on. Uh, other than Formula cars now. <laughs> I just want to uh, do some more Formula car stories. Uh, oh, uh, because this one, this one might benefit us, you know. Uh, Ooh, okay. Ferrari has confirmed a partnership with beer ba- brand Peroni. Oh, oh. bit of beer. Zero point zero. It'll be that one, yeah. The uh, Nastro Zero Zero Point Zero Italian mm. Super Premium <laughs> Beer <laughs> Brand. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, last time we talked about uh, a beer brand on this program, yeah, I got a case of it delivered. So. Mm. Yeah, so sure it's my turn to get it. So if Peroni yes, would like to give it you don't want 0.0, oh, I mean, neither do I, we, really. We but it's good for guests, isn't it? No, we were... That's we good were, for guests who were driving. Yes, after, that's, that's um, my point. After, yeah. after Abu Dhabi, we had a night on our own, and we went into the uh, into the, into the mall in Dubai, and, uh, of course, it's, no, it's, all, it's all dry there. Yeah. So Joe got himself a 0.0 beer and can hardly drink it, because it tastes like soap. <laughs> well, funny enough, when I was out in, um, uh, in Gulf War Two. I developed a bit of taste for a certain well-known beer um, that had 0.0 because I thought it actually tasted better than that one with alcohol in it. Of course, it was made from hops and not, not what they normally make from. Not rice. From uh, yeah. yes. the, the one that's not mm. beer, yes. Moving uh, on. Peroni were well, previously uh, the uh, beer supplied to which other Formula 1 team? Um, oh, I've seen it. Uh, Aston Martin. Aren't Aston Martin is correct. Uh, Does that mean Didier Peroni could be coming back? Mm. I love the way you, you've now given extra life to two dead drivers in about 20 minutes. There you go. <laughs> uh, who was Ferrari's previous beer sponsor and long term uh, partner of uh, Carlos Sainz? Oh, Estrella. Yes, Australia Galicia zero point zero. There's two uh, Australians in Spain, isn't there? There's two. There's two rival Australians. It's like Addy and Das and Puma, and that's what they they had a row. And now there's two of them. Really? Uh, this particular Australia is now McLaren's uh, beer of choice. Does that mean that? Hang on, they haven't got a Spanish tr- driver, have they? No. Mm. Well, they need another beer sponsor to pay the huge new driver contract for one of their drivers, don't they? As a celebration of its partnership with Ferrari, Peroni will roll out a series of limited edition products, starting with the Tifosi Nastro Azzurro. Mm. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you want to hear what Frederick Vasseur had to say? No. No. McLaren has said mm-hmm. it is absolutely committed to a future in Formula E. Yeah. Apparently that was on this weekend. Was it? Again. Apparently. Where? Um, Saudi Arabia. Hmm. Completely passed me. Now, in fairness, we were a bit busy 
Um, <laughs> do, do 48 hours of, in fact, more than that. We did about 48 hours of race. Hours. Although we didn't um, really do 48 hours of race, did we? We did 47 hours and 58 minutes because someone waved the flag too early. Mm. Mm. Um, actually, we did more than that because we did uh, two Mazda races. And a four hour uh, mission pilot challenge. So I think we probably did somewhere close to 60 hours of racing and well over 60 hours of broadcasting this weekend. Um, So we were a bit busy. Having said that, I'm in a motorsport environment. We're in a motorsport environment and I never saw it on my timeline. I never heard anybody talk about it. I never even knew it was on. It's not going well, is it? Well, in this country, we can only talk one country. Well, actually, that's a good point, because we were talking about this whilst we were away, weren't we, when we were driving in the BMW X1 X-Drive 28i. The Um, world's (laughs) largest car called a one. Yes, the biggest one in the world. Mm. Um, Because we used to say this, and and Tim would always chirp up in the background, ah, but that's only in the UK. So, in the UK... um, Formula, I couldn't even remember the name of it there. Form, <laughs> for, Formula E has um, has ceased to have any relevance whatsoever as far as television is concerned. Is it still is it still popular in other marketplaces, Tim? Because you seem to know all of this because you look at the numbers. Well, it's Do funny you should mention this because uh, the opening Formula E EPRI of this year had the biggest ever audience. Of any Formula E E three ever, where worldwide, right? Okay, okay. How so it must be. So it must Just be matter. doing well somewhere. And they claim that even in the UK, this year's season opener got more viewers than last year's season opener, mm. despite the fact that it was hidden behind a paywall and last year's was on uh, the third I largest. Uh, I'm, I'm, no, Free to air broadcaster just, in the country. That's absolutely untrue. It is absolutely untrue, yes, yes, yes. So why say something so patently untrue? Because some people will believe them. But it just makes everything else they say, which may be true, because it, what they're saying is something it just, it's just with, with the most, the merest. Because even people who are channel hopping will fall on Channel 4 and, and, and out go, ooh! Yeah, and outlaw and outnumber the audience, which is ever going to get to TNT Sports, a minor sports channel of people who who like not quite the best football matches, um, and the, and obviously motorbike fans who are oh. not going to watch Formula E. Actually, I heard a promo for The Apprentice on the radio, mm-hmm. um, our version of Apprentice, yeah. and one of the things they're going to be doing is they're going to be launching a new Formula E team. Apparently, one of the, one of their tasks. So I thought that's going to separate the uh, wheat from the chaff, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, dear, dear. But um, no, I'm sorry. You don't stop, stop lying. F1, stop lying. Say it's about the money. <laughs> you know, uh, Formula E, stop lying. Your numbers are rubbish in this country. Don't know elsewhere. Job news. Excellent. Uh, we have them. We have uh, some people with new jobs this week. Right. Uh, first of all, Tim Goss. Who left the FIA about yes. a week ago. Uh, just so over a week ago. can't start until October. He is now, uh, or he will become, Chief Technical Officer at uh, Visa Cash App. We're not calling it that. I'm, I'm, I'm going I'm to have, I'm going to say right now, we're not calling it that. VCOB. No, we're not going to call it that. 
Well, no, we're going to call it then. I don't care. Minardi. Let's call it Minardi. Okay. Let's Alan, V-Carb. Alan no, Permain. It, I don't want to refer to their sponsor. Alan Permain. It's Yes. Uh, who was uh, formerly sporting director at Renault. Yeah. And Enstone for 30 years. Mm. Yes, and its predecessors, yes. Uh, is now 34 years, in fact, isn't he? Uh, he's uh, going to become racing director... Same job, apparently. Uh, sporting director, racing director. Very similar. So are we making, are we making at a decision the, uh, that... Um, at the Visa Cash App team. Minardi. So are, are we making a decision, then, that's, that steak is sauber? <sighs> well, no, we should just call it Audi. That's Audi. It's not. It's not Audi. It's not Audi, John. Mm. Not yet. Can't call it Audi. It is actually still Sauber. Who have Sauber have sold their naming rights to Steak, or a sports book, aren't they? Um, I thought Steak was part of the new name of Red Bull Juniors. No, no. Steak is the new name for Alfa Romeo, who were obviously who purchased their. Name actually, that's from what we Sauber. should call Minardi. We should just call Minardi uh, Minardi um, Verstappen two, or Red Bull two. This time it's personal. Yes. Uh, on the subject of Red Bull, uh, former Red Bull engineer Guillaume Catalani has a new job. And uh, where's he gone? He uh, is now going to be the deputy technical director at uh Minardi, Red Bull 2. So actually, he hasn't moved at all then, has he? Well, he has, because he's got to live in Fienza now. No. No, because no, they're, they're, they're all coming to Milton Everyone's going to Milton Keynes slowly. They're doing it slowly so that that, uh, um, that they can not go back on the things they said. But no, they're, they're slowly going to move everything out of Fender, apart from probably four blokes and a uh, forklift. Mm. Can I just, before we leave F1, which we've done far too much of in this mm-hmm. first hour, but you can understand why. Um and will not be doing it, any of It's because call. it's the most valuable sports empire in the world. Yeah, I don't, don't care. Sorry. Says Forbes um, magazine. Really? Andretti Cadillac have responded to the Formula One management statement by saying, uh, Andretti Cad- Cadillac have uh, renew- reviewed the f- information uh, Formula One Management Limited has shared and strongly disagree with its contents. Andretti and Cadillac are two successful global motorsports organisations committed to placing a genuine American works team in F1, competing alongside the world's best. We are proud of the significant progress that we've already made on developing a highly competitive car and power unit with an experienced team behind it and our work continues at pace. Andretti Cadillac would also like to acknowledge and thank the fans who have expressed their support. Very classy. Very classy, that. Uh, So no more F1 news in the second half of tonight's programme, which will be jammed packed with sports cars and other stuff. Rallying. We've Uh, got a lot of sports car news to get in. A lot. The conclusion of this story is that uh, Liberty is now worth $18.22 billion dollars. Uh, which means it's a lot more valuable than the $15.59 billion of uh, KSE, who own the Denver Nuggets, Arsenal and the LA Rams. And in third place, uh, worth just $12.95 billion, uh, FSG, owners of the Pittsburgh Penguins. Uh, 
Liverpool yep. and the Boston Red Sox. Uh, Ale Filipponi says, why don't we name that team Red Bull, but in a different way that differentiates them from Red Bull? Um, supposedly, they're based in Italy. So how about Toro Rosso, the Italian for Red Bull? That would work, right? See? See? Yeah. <laughs> what about NFL? Is NFL's not, not um, more no. um, money than F1? Not now. Uh, and this is despite the fact that uh, Liberty... Uh, uh, made quite a bit of loss on uh, their other project or product uh, mm-hmm. last year, mm-hmm. um, which is the um, Atlanta Braves, of course. Um, uh, anyway, what's next? Come on, NASCAR quickly. next. Excellent. Uh, now you uh, got to talk to Jensen Button at the weekend, didn't you? Yes, I uh, did. But and so did Nick. Yes, no, Joe did. Uh, did you? Did he not talk to you? No, he's worried. He's worried. He won't stand next to Nick see him. because Nick is tall, and uh, uh, described several times whilst we've been away the last week as a very handsome man. Well, I think once is the answer on that one. Well, she did say <laughs> it several times, though. In fairness, that is true. Yeah, mm-hmm. she was spitting, she was. or or she's the opticians. One of the two. Yeah. I thought it was the way you. Patted uh, Labrador, that uh, they clearly um, indeed, I tell you. <laughs> anyway, move on. Jensen, Jensen uh, is uh, unable to return to uh, NASCAR in Chicago this summer because of a clashing commitment. He's, t- he's driving every LMH and LMDH under the sun, isn't he? Yes. That's why. That's partly it. Uh, he also has to go to the British Grand Prix. Yeah, sure. He doesn't have to. And yes, he does. He's got a contract that says he has. All uh, right, okay, but he does get counted eight times when he walks in, which is nice. This guy gets paid eight times as well. Mm. Moving on, uh, NASCAR have uh, been testing their fully electric uh, car of the future, this which is isn't called not, car of the future. Not quite true. This is a isn't this the SUV single mix series that they're looking to do? Uh, lap times uh, are within about a second of uh, current cup cars. Right, and how many laps can it do? One. <laughs> it, needs to do, well, it needs to do two, one to warm up at least. Yeah, true, good point. Uh, it's, a, it's a generic SUV shape that they're trying to sell to the manufacturers, which when you consider really NASCAR is a generic two-door coupe shape. It's not a big stretch. Well, um, it'll be it'll be just like NASCAR, um, except quieter. A lot quieter. Are uh, they protect the batteries. How are they going to what? What? Protect the batteries. Protect the batteries from what? From the massive impacts on ovals. Well, well they're just in bat- the middle of the car. Fair enough. Batteries have got to be protected from that from road cars as well. So. It'll be a good uh, improvement. You're, you're not doing 200 miles an hour with a solid concrete wall and a bunch of idiots who, who seem to think that rubbing's racing. Maybe not. Uh, Formula One, uh, no, Chicago wants to have both Formula One and NASCAR. Uh, Still. But um, Alderman Brendan Riley says he doesn't think the city can handle both. It would have to be one or the other. Ford and both. Yeah. More likely. Uh, yeah. But MotoGP and Formula One are going to team up, aren't they, Nick? 
I'm sorry. I've heard people keep. I've heard, I've not seen this. I've heard heard people keep saying it. What, what is this report? I've just seen rumours on the internet that uh, nobody's saying where and when, as far as I can see. Austin. And the answer is no and never. Yeah, well, Austin's been mentioned, well, but I've not seen anything work? official. Well, it's not going to work, is it? It's like, why? The only place it would be possible to do it would be somewhere in the Middle East where they don't get a crowd. The only place you possibly do it is Silverstone. Oh, where you've got two separate pit lanes. Yes. That's, yes, that's good. Or Spa. There's no other place you can... Or Spa. But yes. you're not going to have MotoGP like... head to Spa, surely. Uh, well, they changed the curbs for us. They did change well, the curbs for Yeah, bikes. more important. But then again, you know, who wants to park on a very steep downhill um, <laughs> pit lane? And they don't really, though, <laughs> the do bikes. they? The bikes. They don't really, the bikes, though. They keep them in the garage and then just put them out. Yeah, I mean... The, I, place, I, to have it, the place to have it is where you don't have huge crowds. Even, at, I mean, it's quarter, quarter is a proper racetrack that is that has developed itself well with... Formula One audience in the US they've rebuilt uh, their audience to at least as big if not bigger as it was in the first couple of seasons that were there when they were getting all the Mexicans coming over before the Mexico Grand Prix took back off again and they've done a really good job there's not enough room to have them on the same weekend with MotoGP because um, uh, I mean you can't fill it any more than you can fill it so what you need to do is to have it at a place where there's yeah. little or no half crowd. A crowd yeah. yeah, little or no crowd, uh, and mm. um, for either of them. So Lazile, Lazile, there you go. I think I think Qatar is your best bet. Yeah, mm-hmm. the lights as well, which means you can extend the day. Correct. There you go. That's what, if it's going to happen. That's where it'll be. Barcelona. It, it makes no sense for either of them. Well, F1 aren't going to Barcelona. And for Barcelona hasn't got that's lights. not true, John. Yeah. Ah, they're going to Madrid, but they haven't that, said eh? they're not going to Barcelona. Okay. Barcelona's saying they spent they spent fifty million euros on the track. And I haven't noticed. Right, uh, your thoughts on where F1 and uh, bikes could go? I, I think they should go to Knock Hill and race one of them in the opposite direction. There you go. Um, let me very quickly before we hit half time, uh, we don't do a lot of orbits uh, here on this program anymore. Anymore, um, because th- sadly there's been rather too many of them. But this one I can't allow to go by because the person I'm going to talk about was absolutely a integral part, an integral part of me loving motorsport. And this is the legend uh, that is Jan de Roy, who is the Dutch, well, uh, the the bear they used to call him, Team de Roy in the Dakar trucks. However. It was in Rallycross that I first saw him racing. I think his brother raced as well. They took a DAF 55. Uh, a what, small, Well, the, the <laughs> car with the elastic band and the very clever variomatic, constantly variable transmission and turned it in a rally car. He run the Dutch rally car, uh, Rallycross Championship five times, uh, f- uh, including in a stretch from 1904 uh, in a row from 1973 and then again in 70. Uh, nine in 1971, he 71. He won every single race in the calendar, and I remember him uh, later on in the 70s, in division, uh, in the top division, uh, the touring car division in a Ford Escort in the European Rallycross Championship. Uh, he debuted in Paris Dakar in 1982, and uh, from then on, really carved himself 
a phenomenal reputation for driving trucks, huge trucks, some of them, um, and really brought the truck race uh, to prominence. Um, they had a phenomenal uh, run in it, uh, and he ran with his son as well, uh, Gerard de Roy, and had some great runs through that. Uh, Gerard Cup took over the company, which was a haulage company, back in 2010, and 25 years after his dad's victory, he won the Dakar himself in 2012 in a Iveco. Uh, and Team de Roy won last year uh, in, uh, with Yanis uh, van Kasteren who uh, was driving in the Team de Roy truck uh, in last year's Dakar. Uh, that is Jan de Roy, a patriarch of the Dakar rally and a powerhouse in the trucks, who died uh, yesterday. No, today, actually. My apologies. Uh, and that's it for the first half of the show. Still to come on Midweek Motorsport. And is there any chance you could bring some dessert to the VO booth, please? No chance at all. I haven't even had any dessert uh, this week. Not uh, me. Coming no. Up, no, I know. Uh, we are uh, eschewing any more single-seater news. It's all about two and four wheels. Some of it will be off-road, which means Nick can nip off and have his dessert. Uh, we'll be looking back at the Rolex 24. Uh, and the Dubai 24, the Monte Carlo Rally, your submissions on cars and bikes running together in F1 and MotoGP at Entertainment. But we'll kick off the second half of tonight's programme with a Porsche-winning driver from Daytona at the weekend. It's all coming up next here on Midweek Motorsport Series 19, episode number four. Sport. On RS1. Well, this is a great story to start off the second hour of midweek motorsport. Uh, and I could not be more happy for literally everybody concerned with this. It's uh, it's difficult sometimes when we do the commentary because we can't have favourites. And also, most of the stuff that we talk about, we know so many people who are so deserving of victories. It would be unfair to have favourites. Um, however, this is a great story that's paid off lovely, uh, beautifully. Um, and it comes from the Michelin Pilot Challenge on Friday at Daytona, the four-hour BMW M Endurance that opened the season where the number 91 Porsche 718 Cayman GT4 RS Club Sport make sure we get the full name in there from uh, Kelly Moss with Riley took the victory for Michael McCarthy Brady Gullen and we welcome a Daytona champion Riley Dickinson Riley how does that sound Daytona champion mate yeah, that that sounds pretty good. You're, I think you're actually the first one to to lay it all out like that. That's uh, definitely gave me some goosebumps there. So I appreciate that. Well, back to work already. Uh, Riley is down um, at Daytona doing some coaching work for yeah. an event this weekend. So very very little time to rest on your your laurels. Before we get to the race, actually, we should talk about what happened leading up to it because. It wasn't. Uh, it, it it wasn't plain sailing. 
No, it, it certainly was not. I mean, uh, you know, for starters, thank you, John, for having me on. Hope everyone's doing well listening in. Uh, but yeah, it was it was definitely a bit of a crazy, silly season, as everyone tends to call it. And it, it certainly was silly from from my side. Uh, definitely one of the the more stressful off seasons I think that I've ever ever have had. I mean, I not to put names anywhere, so to speak, and, and whatnot, but really since August of 2023 was constantly trying to put something together for, for this coming year, for 2024. Um, had a few deals that were looking good. They fell through and, and whatnot. Then you know, we, we ultimately got down to about uh, December 17th, which was the entry deadline for Michelin Pilot Challenge. Had a, had a deal lined up, ready to go, pretty much all but you know, signed on the dotted line, all verbally agreed upon, you know, equipment's being mobilized and whatnot. And the other driver uh, decided that, yeah, I'll go do something else, which obviously, you know, fine, fine by them, but it was just a bit of a, uh, bit of a last minute scramble. So all in all, we were able to put something together for, for the full season. I couldn't be happier to be with, with Kelly Moss and Riley Motorsports and have Michael McCarthy as a full season teammate of mine. I feel like that it actually, you know, everything happens for a reason, of course, and, and it worked out quite well. And that was kind of the, the feeling before we even got to Daytona. And then ultimately what, what went down at, at Daytona with how the race played out for us was was ultimately a dream come true. Definitely could not have thought of that one. Uh, you, you know, Andy Kilcoyne and, and Victoria Thomas, Kelly Moss, uh, of course, very well um, yep. from your Carrera Cup days. Did that make ultimately, you know, it's all disappointing. You didn't get where you thought you, you'd want to be. But ultimately, did that make that that final decision for you? Did that make it a little bit easier because at least you were going with those two with a known quantity? No, it certainly did. I mean, in everything that, that we were trying to get done, um, you know, it was very, very loyal to the Kelly Moss and Riley Motorsports brand, so to speak, very loyal to to Andy and, and Victoria. And everything that, that we were doing was it was supposed to be with them. Um, it was just a matter of being able to put all the, the puzzle pieces together, right? Figuring out the how on we're able to get a car on track for ultimately for Daytona and beyond for the rest of the season. But no, it definitely made it an easy choice. Um, you know, Annie Victoria, they've they've built an incredible program over on the Carrera Cup side for me. And ultimately, you know, our year in 2023 with the Porsche Carrera Cup North America would not have been possible without without them and the incredible group of people that, that they've put together in that program. So it was a very easy choice from, from my side. And also, you know, furthermore, it was a very easy choice to stick with Porsche and mm-hmm. to stick in, in the Porsche family and to continue to, to grow and develop my career with, with the Porsche brand at heart. So it was, it was all a, a really quite easy uh, decision point. It was just a matter of, of making it all happen. Right. Yeah. And yeah, that's a good point actually that you've made there. Actually, I realise we haven't spoken to you since the end of last season, and I didn't even get to see you in person at uh, at Daytona because such yeah. was the amount of work we were were putting in. So I have got to ask you. I'm sorry about this, yeah. but I have got to ask yeah. you about the Young Driver Shootout. Uh, you won yeah. the opportunity to go to that in Germany at the back end uh, of last year. We don't get to see all the results. We don't get to see all the times. Tell me about your experience. Yeah, I mean, it, it was world class. Um, you know, I've I've had the opportunity to speak with a lot of drivers. You know, whether they're they're current factory guys or other drivers that were able to go and attend that shootout in their past. Um, you know, just to get some information on really what to expect, right? And I think we might have touched on that briefly whenever you and I last spoke. It was just before um, you went, yeah. 
Exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, I had a little bit of an idea, so to speak, but once I actually got there and went through the paces of the actual shootout itself, it was, it definitely blew me away, uh, blew away all expectations in a good way. Uh, very, very professional Porsche Motorsport proper. They, they did an unbelievable job of making this event uh, very equal and very fair to everyone that was there. Um, and also, you know, giving everyone the proper chance at becoming a Porsche junior. Um, so it was myself along with 11 other drivers. So 12 drivers total. It was 10 European kids. It was myself as the American. And then we had an Australian kid as well. So him and I, we, we immediately hit it off, right? Because we were kind of the, the outcast of, <laughs> of the group, right? Uh, it was actually kind of a, a funny joke between him and I just on the first day that we got there. Um, we were just all, the both of us, we were like, okay, well, you and I are definitely not part of the, the 10 European kid group. So we should be friends or something, right? And uh, no, we, we hit it off very well. Um, the first day was all off track activities. So the first proper day of the, of the event was all off track stuff. Um, so everything from, you know, physical evaluations, from mental evaluations, uh, media interviews to, you know, see how you are behind the camera, a written test as well, just to see what you know about the brand. So things like nice. how many times have, has Porsche won Le Mans, right? Who's the current CEO in 19, <laughs> right? Exactly. I, I got that one correct. I know I got that one correct, but uh, a couple, I'll be honest, a couple of them, i completely threw me for a loop and I had absolutely no idea, but, uh, same with some of the other drivers, but no, it was, it was all good stuff on the first day. And then day two, day three was whenever it really kind of got down to business. Um, so the first day on track was basically, we got two practice sessions, both about 30 minutes each. Um, and then the second day on track was we had a qualifying session in the morning and then a race sim in the afternoon. Um, but yeah, I mean, from, from my side, it was, it was quite an experience. The track that, that we went to was Portimao. Oh Portugal. my goodness. It's phenomenal. It, it, it's it, phenomenal. It's yeah. like, it's like road Atlanta on steroids. I don't think there's any corner, uh, maybe bar turn one, although that's downhill, but, um, there's hardly any corner where you see the apex when you turn in, is there? Exactly. And so, I mean, it's funny you mentioned road Atlanta. So to all the, the drivers that I've, you know, mentioned this track too, and was that are like, Oh, okay. Tell me about the track. Every single time I, I have to bring up road Atlanta yeah. because there's nothing else like it. Uh, the only thing you can get close to is maybe road Atlanta, just with how much elevation change Correct. there is. Um, I mean, yeah, to your point, every single corner is pretty much a, a blind apex <laughs> and for, for those that, that know the track. So you have the front treadway, which, you know, for the most part, whenever it's level on the pit straight, it's, it's fairly nice, but then it has a huge drop-off before turn one. And so, John, for us, we did the layout that was, instead of doing, like, the triple right for the first section, yeah, it was downhill braking and then do, like, a, a hairpin back to the right and then back to the left. Oh, so they wow. kind of took out, yeah, they took out that first, you know, fast right-hand corner because they wanted to see, you know, just the braking technique. They wanted to add yeah. another high-speed braking area. Nice. And so for, for me, without the the uh the abs with the abs experience going to non-abs cup car um of course what they have over there in, in europe it was uh it was a bit of a difference especially for, for turn one on but no it was all good i was very happy with my performance you know i felt like i was properly prepared from what we did good. with that test uh that pma graciously you know offers up for whoever gets that selection from the north american market um mm. was able to get a lot of the you know I guess very basic things kind of out of the way. 
yeah. with that test. So went into it with a much better understanding, and I was very, very happy with with my performance and quite proud of it. If you enjoyed it in the car, imagine Nick Damon uh, went there at the back end. Oh, start of was it the start of this year? I think it was the start of this year. Yeah, he okay. uh, back into last year. No, it was the back into last year. He took his BMW S1000RR for a tractor down there and spent two yeah. days on his on his motorbike, and it's a fantastic oh, awesome. motor, motorcycle track as well. We should congratulate uh, Bastian Bus, who came out on top of that. What did you take out of that? Ultimately, all right, you didn't get the, the signature on the contract. Did it make you a better driver? Did it make you a better person? I, I think it definitely did. Um, I, I would be remiss if I said that I definitely um, did not learn anything. I certainly did. Um, you know, was able to, you know, first and foremost, I felt like make really good relationships and really good mm. impressions with the, the people over at Porsche AG and Porsche Motorsport, of course, um, you know, just meet new people within the brand. So that was certainly a, a positive, but also get a bit of an understanding on, on what they're looking for. And yeah. let's say a, a factory driver position, um, you know, mainly with the stuff off track, um, you know, on track, it's, it's pretty straightforward. I mean, everyone kind of knows more or less what, what needs to be done, but it's the boxes that you need to check that's off track. What really makes, you know, the factory driver or the works driver, um, Mm. the proper fit for the brand. So, you know, definitely learned a lot on that first day that we were doing the off track activities on, on what is the most important pieces to, to the puzzle. Um, the, the media interviews, it's obviously a big thing to, of course, be a student of the sport and also be a student of the brand yes. of what Porsche is, what it stands for as, as the heritage and history, you know, throughout years past. So being, you know, adapt to that is, is quite important. I mean, Patrick Wong is probably the, one of the best examples that we have certainly in the North American market. Um, he, he continues to be a, an icon of the brand just on the, the heritage and the history side of things. So, you know, definitely learned a lot, definitely, you know, took a lot of things with me that I, I feel like I can ultimately bring forward with, with my career moving moving on. Well, I mean, you, you used that well, I thought, and and speaking to a few people, um, your character certainly shone through there, and as you see, you've done yourself uh, no harm whatsoever uh, being there, and, and when you consider... You know, Mark Leib came out of that. Uh, Thomas Prining came out of that. Uh, both of whom gone on to great thing. Mark still with Porsche. He's communications manager now, I think. Exactly. Uh, and, so. and Mark, Mark was actually there as well. I he was, was going to say, I bet he was. Yeah. Yeah, he was. He was. So I got got to meet him. Got to learn a little bit about his journey and and whatnot. But he's he's a super great guy. Um, let's come back to the weekend then. Um. An inauspicious start in terms of practice and qualifying, or were you working to a plan? 12th and a couple of seconds off the top time, but I suppose you're going to tell me, hey, it was a four-hour race. It's not where you start, where you finish, and I can't really argue with that given given the end of it. But how, how would you have summed up your week at Daytona going into the race on Friday afternoon? Exactly. I mean, I... It's kind of hard to, you know, from my side, just kind of taking, take it from a, like a small micro level, right. Mm. And, you know, speaking on, on what we spoke about at the very beginning of just, you know, what it actually took just to get there and kind of the last Mm. minute scramble, um, you know, taking that into account, I mean, quite literally from the first session at the roar, the team received the car that we were going to drive at the roar, not even a week before we were on track. Oh my goodness. Um, So 
you know, taking that all into account, we were honestly, the main goal for, for the weekend was just to finish top 10. If we were able get to get points like for the season, top, just get some points for the season. I mean, wow. we knew that the, the BOP that, that was on hand wasn't completely favorable for the Porsche. And we were, we were perfectly okay with that. We understood what we had. So at that point it was just, okay, let's just get some valuable data for, for the team that we can learn off of and, and move forward. So mm. going in, into qualifying, uh, Michael McCarthy, of course, he qualified the car. He finished 12th. And to be honest, we were actually quite pleased with that. He he put down a nice lap. We were the fastest Porsche. Yeah, I was going to um, say, I've just know, looked it the, up. You were the fastest Porsche by by some margin as well, yeah. actually. Yeah, yeah. So it definitely wasn't bad at all. And, you know, whenever you look at the the gap between the first and second place car, it was about eight tenths of a second. So, you know, the total deficit, it really wasn't so bad. Um, so we, we were quite happy with it. And then also, of course, you know, to your point, it's a four hour long race. It's a very long race for that gt4 machinery and there's obviously so many things that can and will happen in those michelin pilot challenge races so we we were quite happy with it going into the race michael mccarthy anybody who's listened to us on imsa knows all about because he um has has been with us in a variety of imsa categories down through through the years tell me a little bit about brady golan because that was the third driver here and it's often difficult i mean okay you're starting a new a partnership with with Michael, uh, but it's often difficult to be the third driver. Of course, I mean, and, you know, for starters, hats off to Brady for his job. What, what he did at Daytona, I mean, he he did everything that we asked of him. Um, you know, now he's the youngest winner in Michelin Pilot Challenge history, which is quite incredible. We didn't even know that was a thing until maybe a couple of days after the fact. He's sixteen, uh, isn't he? Just sixteen. 16. 16 years old and four months, I think, is what you and, and Jeremy yeah, said on, on the broadcast. Incredible. It's, it's incredible. Uh, but, yeah, so, I mean, the story with, with Brady is, so his dad, Jason Golan, is a client of Kelly Moss. Jason races in the Porsche Sprint Challenge for Kelly Moss. He has a mm. GT4 RS as well. Um, and his son, Brady, for one of the events last year at VIR, he decided to join us at, at a testing event and just try out the cup car just to see what it's all about. Um, he was racing that same weekend in another championship, the USF Juniors, on the road to Indy ladder system. Yeah. Um, so he just wanted a little bit of extra track time. And so I got paired with him as a coach. He was, of course, my driver. And we went for a couple of days at a, at a test day event out at VIR, and he did an incredible job. He was only like a second and a half off of me in a cup car. And I was like, whoa, this kid has some talent, like natural ability talent, not learned. Mm. Um, so definitely that, that – turned me on to him quite easily um of course you know we've stayed connected throughout jason like i said since he's a client at kelly moss i do a lot of coaching on the sprint challenge weekends for kelly moss so we've always kind of stayed connected and yeah during the off season whenever everything kind of went the way that it did and we were scrambling to find you know a way to fill the gap we we thought of brady immediately because Mm -hmm. we knew that he didn't have anything lined up for daytona and of course it's a bucket list track so (laughs) reach out to, to Brady and, and his dad, Jason, and said, hey, we got an idea for you guys. What, what do you think? Let's let's throw your kid in the car. Let's see what, what Brady has. And he has already, <laughs> at the time, he had more experience than Michael and myself did in Michelin Pilot because he actually raced yeah. at Indianapolis in the four-hour yeah. Michelin Pilot race last year in 2023 with uh, with another team in a Porsche. And he, he did a nice job. He, he 
ultimately wasn't able to finish the race. I think he had some contact at the beginning of the race, but was not his fault at all. No, um, I remember it. So, you know, he, he definitely wanted a second crack at, at things, but, you know, he, he did a fantastic job. So, so uh, given that we keep having to remind ourselves that you're only uh, – uh, You've been around for a very long time, but you're still a very, very young driver in some respects. People won't believe it. But you started driving at 16. Is he the next you then, Riley? I mean, can you see something of yourself in this young man? And, you know, is he interested? We know he's interested in the single-seater side of things, but, you know, does he does he have enough to go all the way, do you think? Yeah, I mean, I, I think he certainly has the support system around him, no doubt. Um, you know, he's already aligned with very, very high level teams and, and groups of people. Um, so I, I certainly think he, he does have what it takes, no doubt. I mean, like I said, for him at 16 years old to do the, the job that he did at Daytona was was definitely top notch. Yeah. Uh, couldn't have asked anything more. I mean, I don't think you could find many, um, let's say, seasoned veteran drivers that would do no. what, what he did. I mean, it was very much down to a T. <laughs> Down, down to the point. So, you know, definitely he has a lot of talent and very exciting to, to see what he's able to do in the future. So let's get to the race because we spent a lot of time talking about other things. Um, yeah. uh, how aware were you about what was going on at the front? Because we had a titanic battle at the front of the field. Uh, you guys were sort of in yeah. the second group, if you will. But at the front of the field, we had, well, all the guys who qualified at the sharp end of the field we had the problem with the carbon car earlier on yeah but we had yep. tgm owen trinkler after that horrible accident doing a, a nearly an hour and a half which after that that fire that he had that was yeoman's yep. work hands off to matt plum they're in there uh, motorsports in action were in there both turner motorsports car they looked really ominous but we had the toyotas in there um we had the core motorsports car with luca in that random vandals came to play so there was a lot going on in front of you were you guys aware of that or were you just running your own race and where was the turning point as far as you're concerned yeah so you know just to kind of break apart the race a little bit for us and honestly this might give you a little bit of color on it as well as well as the the listeners that are tuning in um so for us, like like we mentioned, Michael McCarthy, he started the car in 12th. I think by the end of his stint, he might have been ninth or 10th, I mm-hmm. want to say. Yeah. Um, there's there's a full course yellow, like maybe 30 minutes in. Um, we decided to stay out, yeah. which actually cycled us to the front. And so he led for a couple laps. And maybe he finished off at like fourth-ish or so, somewhere in there. Um, there might have been, I think, another full course yellow. But whenever we came in, long story short, we actually had a bit of a – an issue with the air jack on pit lane and because of that we ended up losing a lap once everything cycled through brady gets in the car uh but we we ended up losing a lap so by the time that i got in the car we were a lap down (laughs) and i got in the car with about two hours and 13 to go i want to say um and of course you know for for me i'm I'm used to the 40 minute sprint races right so being in the car for two hours was was quite different it was it was a lot of fun I, i was was ready to go for another two hours at the end of it but uh no it was it was a different different mindset but anyways so once i get in the car we were a lap down or just got our lap back something like that um but then you know straight away we were on the back foot just trying to claw our way back up through the field and 
once we had that final full course yellow come out, I want to say I'd gotten up to about 10th to 12th, somewhere in there. Yeah. We were knocking on the door for top 10. Um, you know, we were doing a, a nice job just methodically building our way up through the, through the field, um, keeping the car clean, of course, right. Yeah. Not making, not making any contact, just making sure that we had a, a good piece ready to go for the last hour of that race. Um, yeah. So then we had that final full course yellow come out, all the leaders, we all go to, to pit lane. Um, you know, so GS pits open, we all go TCR pits open, they all go. And then once the pit lane was open for all classes and it was basically on the final mm. full course yellow lap, I got the call from, from the team. Hey, let's box, box, box this lap. We're going to do a splashing splash. Go. That was lap so, 82. I remember, it I remember it, it. It was lap 82. And by yeah. the way, you were spot yeah. on. Um, Michael led from laps 14 to 18. So he led, he led a five lap stint from laps yeah. 14 to 18. Yeah. Yeah. So coming I mean, out after you'd splashed then, what yeah. was the d- – d- it was Bill Riley who made the call, wasn't it? So was it, 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 was was. it Bill on, on the on the phone to you to tell you what to do? Yeah, so Bill, he was on the box, um, basically just, you know, kind of running all the numbers from all the information that, that we were giving him. Um, it was my main engineer, Noah, who made the call. He was the one that was giving all the, all the information to me. Bill was just kind of – you know, more or less in, in the background, just feeding the information, mm. just making sure the numbers all, all worked and whatnot. But he was the one that made the call, then gave it to Noah. Noah that then made the call to me. But straight away before we went back to green with, and correct me if I'm wrong, it was about, what, 53 to 58 minutes? Something like there. that, yeah. Something like that left to go. Um, he said, okay, we're going to need you to save a ton of fuel here. We're <laughs> going to go for a fuel save strategy. I was like, okay, copy that. How much do we need to save? And he said, eh, about 10 liters. And I did the quick math in my head, which was, okay, one lap, we would burn about 2.65 liters a lap. Wow, so that's four, and four laps he four was laps, asking you to save. Four laps. And I'm like, okay. I'm like, you guys realize I've never done this before, right? They're like, yep, just do what you can. I'm like, okay, copy. And so now, is there any away, tools in the car that you can use for that? You can, I mean, it's a, it's a... Um, a, a Cayenne, that's uh, a Cayenne. It's not a Cayenne. You would have been sitting with all three of us in the back, don't you? Um, <laughs> it, it's a Cayman Seven Eighteen GT Four. So, you, yep. you, do you have different maps? Do you have other, or is it purely your right foot? No, it's purely your right foot. There are no <sighs> maps in the car. Um, yeah, it's it's purely up to the driver to do that. And so, you know, just a little bit of backstory. You know, I had been told from the team that, you know, typically these Michelin pilot races that are going to come down to a fuel mileage race, more or less at the end, nine times out of 10, mm. it, it happens quite often. So I did a little bit of training on the sim on how to fuel save, because again, I've never done it before because I'm used to the career cup 40 minute sprint races. It's never, never a issue with, with career mm. cup. Um, so I did a little bit of training, but it was very hard to get a rhythm with it because of how just disconnected it felt for me. Um, so my first time really getting a crack at it was quite simply in the car. Um, where, where and, do you, you feel know, safe at Daytona then? Presumably you're lifting early coming uh, into turn one into the, exactly. into the Le Mans chicane. Uh, yeah. So when it, it basically anywhere there's a braking zone, so turn right. one, turn three. Um, I mean, at the end of the race I was braking or not braking. I was lifting for four and just coasting all the way into five um, lifting really? before six, and then of course in the the Masha can, but um, yeah, it, the, the last couple laps, whenever 
uh, you know, they had told me, okay, maximum fuel save, maximum fuel save. I initially came on, like I was laughing in the car. I'm like, what does that even mean? Like, I don't even, I don't even know. I've been they doing said, that yeah, for just, the last 45 I'm, I'm, minutes, lads. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> uh, but no, they, they said, yeah, just do what you're doing. Just do it more. You're doing a great job. Uh, we think we're going to make it. We just need to make sure we have a bit of a buffer behind because yeah. other cars were pitting. Um, so yeah, I mean, I was before turn one, I was lifting and coasting maybe, I don't know, 200 feet before the start finish line Wow! and just rolling it in easy into the corner. But, um, no, it, it was, it was very interesting just to see how the leaders and everything kind of played out because it was, how much of that did from, you know? How, how much of that did you know? Cause there was, there was all sorts going on at the front of the field. Um, yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I, I was trying to keep as many tabs on it as I could just to see what was going on. I mean, obviously just being a bit of a, bit of a fan just kind of watching what was going on as well we were just at that point we were kind of riding around to like 15th 16th 17th yeah. place yeah. whatever it was just saving fuel so it was kind of fun to watch a little bit where i could um and we watch, also do you watch the pylon as well to see what's going on and who's doing what at the as you come down a at little Tittle, bit right yeah a little bit i mean you, you can see the tv like whenever you exit out of uh out of turn three you have a tv over there by turn six that you can kind of see a little bit you know but it's yeah, it's it's not not the best thing to watch, I guess. But no, it's it was all good. Um, but yeah, so it was interesting to me just to kind of watch how everything played out. And what I mean by that is seeing whenever other drivers and teams kind of realized, hang on, wait a minute, we need to start saving fuel. Yeah. So like you would have, you know, I'm not going to name the cars, but you would have, you know, maybe people fighting up at the lead, and then they would start dropping off that first pack. Or you had a, had other cars kind of towards the tail end of the pack start dropping off mm. once they would realize what was going on. Once you know we kind of got past that fifteen to twenty minute window after the restart of typically there was going to be another one. Yeah. And once that didn't happen, I think people started to realize like, hang on, wait a minute, we we might need to be saving fuel here. Yeah. Um, but yeah, from my knowledge, and obviously it showed at the end of the race, we were the only ones that actually was saving fuel straight from the get go. Correct. Um, and it, it paid off. It paid off in a big way. Yeah. I, I, RS had done the same with you, and they splashed the lap before you, RS1. Um, yeah. But um, from what I've heard, they'd, and I, I need to talk to them properly to understand this, but from from what I heard, um, they didn't think they were in trouble for fuel, which is, which is amazing. Trent was uh, pretty much given the hurry up at the end and thought he could race on and by the time that they realized they couldn't and they had to do the extra pit stop that dropped them down 20th uh, i yeah. think i think it was um yeah the biggest threat you had were from another team who did a, a great job uh, in fairness which was winward and daniel, daniel morad was obviously yeah. going to be the one to chase you down you led one lap the only one that counted you led the last lap how close were you at the end and the times were going out a little bit but how close were you at the end and how how much did you know about how quickly daniel was catching you yeah so i mean it was it was certainly very close just to to answer that one um on the end lap just after the lamar chicane that's whenever the low fuel light came on and typically for the yeah typically for the cayman low fuel light at Daytona, that means it's going to, you know, hit the pickup. Um, yeah. So that wouldn't pretty, have, if, pretty quickly. If that had done you, if that had happened there coming on the white flag lap, you wouldn't have got round, would you? 
probably not. I mean, I was I was very much prepared to have to drop down on the apron yeah. and to roll around down there because I mean, the thing is, if if you're up on the banking, right, you have the fuel away from the pickup. Oh, it's right. on the it's on the right side, more or less. It's it's either in the middle or on the right side of the actual fuel cell. So right. it's it's not the best place to do a fuel mileage race oh, for for the Cayman. But anyways, um, it, it was definitely very close, but. We, we had enough to get back to Berkeley Lane, so that was that was all good stuff. But, yeah, so, I mean, for, for Daniel, um, they told me with about two laps to go that it was looking like it was going to be the Morad uh, windward car. That was going to be my, my closest guy at the end of the race. Um, you know, first time they said, okay, he's 20 seconds back, and then 10 seconds, and then five. I'm like, okay, he's coming <laughs> very, very strong. <laughs> uh, it, it's actually kind of funny too, because whenever you guys realized how close Morad was to me, as I was coming like towards the camera into turn six, and Correct. you saw Morad coming out of five, you and Jeremy were like, "Oh, there's Morad!" Right, yeah. and that was really the first time that I had seen Morad in the mirror. I'm like, "Okay, that's Morad. We got to pick it up." Um, but of course, you know, knew that I had that gap to kind of fall back on. You know, lifted very very early for. Lamasha Kane. I also, before that, going into six, let the super go by. Mm, um, that was smart. just behind me, just to get a little bit of a draft on the banking, and then you know pass him back into the the chicane. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it was certainly close. Uh, but knew knew he was there, no doubt. You've watched the race back already, haven't you? I, I've watched a little bit of it back. <laughs> watched a little bit of it back. It was it was some good uh, some good airplane material. Ah, of course. Yeah. yeah. Uh, listen, I can't, I can't congratulate you enough because I, I can only imagine what the, um, uh, I, I can only imagine what the atmosphere was like uh, with Victoria and Andy and the, and the rest of the Kelly Moss with Riley team. Uh, we didn't get to see any of you at the weekend, so next time you see them all, please give them a big hug. Uh, from us because first of all it was brilliant it was brilliant to get you to the front uh, of the field and that was a, an awesome uh, got our Michelin moment of the race for for GS as well um, but secondly it's really nice when good things happen to good people we've got in fairness as I said before we've got a lot of good people in the IMSA paddock and a lot of them are in the Michelin pilot challenge paddock as well but man after what I know you've been through that is Ah, well, is that is that karma? Is it payback? Is it you know? Is it justification? I don't know, Riley. But well done, mate. Well, that was awesome. Absolutely awesome. Yeah, I I, I appreciate it. I mean, I just to go off of the karma piece. I mean, I've always kind of believed that everything happens for a reason. Surely, right? even if you don't necessarily know what it is in the moment, right? Everything happens for a reason. So it it's um. I don't know if, if it was, you know, someone up above looking down or, or what you want to call it. But, uh, no, there was definitely some, some pretty cool, I guess, forces at play, right? <laughs> uh, but it was it was quite a, quite a special moment. And, uh, yeah, I mean, the other thing as well, I mean, it was a great weekend for Porsche as mm-hmm. well, of course. They ended Fabulous. up winning the 24-hour Daytona. It was um, pretty pretty special weekend for everyone at Porsche. So happy for them as well. That was a big weekend for us. Uh, and obviously, uh, you have a very, very light uh, right foot now. We know, we know that. Must have been wearing your slippers to drive that one. We'll see you. We'll see you at Daytona, Riley. Uh, get back to work now, and uh, we'll we'll catch you up in a in a month or so. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. Thanks, everyone. Appreciate it.
Riley Dickinson, who, along with his teammates, uh, was uh, victorious in the Mission and Pilot Challenge four hours at Daytona last weekend. Tim Gray up in London. Where next? We're going to stay with uh, IMSA because we have an award to present. Oh, oh I, said, I said Daytona there, didn't I? At Sebring, Sebring in a month's time. Yeah. And can we also say... And it's more actually, than a month's time. It's just over a month, yeah. Uh, Noah Prop, by the way, uh, is is uh, the race engineer that that Riley was talking about just there. He he was at Sebring as well. Uh, sorry, we're staying with uh, IMSA because we have an award to present. Oh, excellent! I like awards. Do you? Uh, yes. This is not like the awards we have in our show of the year at the end of uh, December, though. Well, it sort of is, because there's metrics involved. There are metrics involved, and uh, we get to do some choosing. This is the CrowdStrike Endurance Speed Teamwork Award. Yes. Now, uh, this is... There's an algorithm that goes on that I don't think I really need to go into all of it. But basically, it looks at the qualifying uh, of... All of the cars in both the IMSA WeatherTech Sports Car Championship and the IMSA Michelin Pilot Challenge. Then the fastest lap times, looks at the average fastest lap times of the drivers within the races as well. It looks at pit stops, etc., etc. And basically it churns out, a bit like deep thought, it churns out some answers at the end of each race weekend. Uh, now, there is, a, there is a bit of subjective in that um, the endurance part, that clearly they have to be running at the end. That's that part of the endurance. But the other part is almost like the, uh, the atmosphere in the team and uh, how hard they've tried, basically. That's a bit, bit more subjective. So we've had all the data through, and we'll start with the IMSA Michelin Pilot Challenge. And there were some very good teams uh, that potentially could have won that. And and we got um, a a couple or three from each of the two classes. Um, And uh, interestingly, um, it's not always the winners uh, that come up on the top of this because of the fact of qualifying and lap times from all of the drivers. Um, In uh, TCR, there were a couple of uh, very good contestants, but ultimately it's come down to the choice, which has gone to the number 34 Carbon uh, car, uh, which was the BMW. Now, that car was on pole position, but it had a problem early on for Stephen McAleer and Jeff Westfall. But instead of parking it, they stayed out there and continued to lap. And, OK, yes, they got some... I think were 39 cars, sorry, I said 34. They were in 24th in class. They continued to lap and uh, got their... Uh, uh, got their points and got their laps. So well done to, set to them for that. So the winner in in Michelin Pilot Challenge, Carbon with a 39 BMW. And in WeatherTech, Flick's page to 
more stats. It's like the Matrix on my screen at the moment with numbers just falling down. Um, Honourable mention has to go here to the Whelan Engineering Cadillac racing car that finished second. Uh, but just pit, pipping them again, not a winner, and in this, uh, not even on the podium. It goes to the United Autosports USA LMP2 car number two for Ben Keating, uh, Nico Peño, and Pato Award. A pretty decent lineup, I think you'll agree. Again, they had the speed, they had good qualifying, they had great lap, to, uh, lap times in the race. Um, and really, tactically, they did nothing wrong. Um, the gods of racing didn't smile on them, but they kept going and fought their way back to sixth in class. So the winner of the CrowdStrike Endurance Plus Speed Plus Teamwork Award for the weekend is United Autosports at USA number two, LMP2. And we will be announcing those throughout the season here Ooh. on Midweek Motorsport after the rounds in which the computer has churned out all that data. When I said data, it is pages of it. I so was I, have looking... a, I have a question, yeah, a technical on. question here. You mentioned oh. that this was based uh, on the results of both the Daytona 24 Hours and the Mission Pilot Challenge race uh, on Friday. So yes. on IMSA weekends where only one of those categories is racing, yep. are we still going to do this? Yes. Yes, we will do it for so the the two events are separate. So we will we will have a, a WeatherTech winner and a Pilot Challenge winner. Um, they are they are calculated separately. Um, it was a bit odd for the IMSA one, of course, because we did qualifying um, a long time ago. Yeah, yeah, it's, uh, uh, sometime in another galaxy far, far away. Um, so there we are. So look out for that. There's a very nice trophy. I had one in my hands actually at the weekend, but um, I didn't manage. But it didn't to make it into your it luggage. No, well, I didn't have room to be honest, with um, everything in hand luggage for three weeks away. Uh, so uh, keep an ear open for that. Shall we have a quick word about the weekend? Nick Damon is uh, still with us. Can we do that a little bit later because we've got a lot yeah, of other things to squeeze in? And first of all, I want to squeeze in some other sports car news Fire uh, because I want to take you to the tropical, picturesque tropical island of Lombok right? Uh, where we have crowned a champion, our first champion of the year Yeah, uh, was Rio Saputru Budihayo uh, of Risky Motorsport who became the Sprint Challenge Porsche Sprint Challenge Indonesia champion and the following day Aldio Urcon became the first Porsche endurance champion uh, of Indonesia. So two winners in Porsche championships in Indonesia there. The, um, that comes under uh, Porsche Motorsport Asia Pacific, Alexander Shapo. Yes, and um, they have done a cracking job in keeping motorsport going through the years when it wasn't everywhere else and also in building on from there. So Thumbs up, Alex, and the rest of the team. Uh, and next, I want to do some sports car news from down under because we have an entry list for the uh, 2024 Repco Bathurst 12 hours. Uh, just the bullet points here, uh, Tim, because yes, Krailsy we'll do more of this has, yeah. uh, with Krailsy. Uh Next week, he says he can come on live. Uh, nine brands. Nine marks, yeah. Yeah. Uh, 
larger and more competitive than last year. Of Eleven course. international teams, uh, Tim. That's the that's the key here. That's the most since, since 2020. The, yeah. 2020. Yeah. Twelve. Uh, sorry, ten Mercedes AMG cars. This could be a big year for Mercedes. Every year is a big year for Mercedes at Bathurst. They've won it three times, yes. including the last two. Well, only one brand, Mazda, has won it three in a row, and no brand, no manufacturer has won, has won four. it four times. So this could be a huge history-making year for uh, AMG Mercedes. Porsche have three car- or three 992 GT3Rs. Making their Including, debut, as yes, well as the 991 GT3Rs. Uh, Including uh, Mantai. Mantai are back and have a phenomenal driver lineup, including Matt Campbell, who, with a bit of luck and a fair wind, we might have on the show next week. Um, yes. And we'll get him to talk about there this as well. There were five Audi R8s. Yeah, and this is great. Um, well, there'll be more Audi R8 news in a wee moment's time. Yes, uh, there will just be. Just underlining how competitive those cars still are and why it's a nonsense they're not in the WEC, the same as AMG. There are a pair of BMW M4 GT3s with Valentino Rossi. That's the Vincent Voss WTR cars, yeah. Uh, WRT. Uh, WRT, sorry, I had all the notes, just not the right order. Lamborghini Huracan GT3. Uh, Mm -hmm. McLaren GT4s from uh, Method Motorsport, which is... That's uh, Chas Mostert. It is Chas Mostert's team. Uh, We have uh, a Vortex. Now, what I haven't got to the... uh, Hang on, I I need... to have it because it doesn't say whether that's a Vortex 2.0. No, it's not. It's a, a one, one point. It's a Thank one. you, Nick. It's a one. Okay, because I was about to say the other one wouldn't have been homologated yet. Okay. We so have we've got uh, Mark GTs. Yes, one of which is going to be crewed by Keith Kasulke, who I always like seeing back after that awful injury he had during the fire. Um, so good luck to them. And where can we hear this race? Oh, I. Ju- I what, have they got international coverage? Oh, yes, of course they have. It's on RS1 and we'll have an uh, exclusive early week coverage of the practice sessions uh, and then extended TV, World Feed TV highlights. We'll have a player on RadioLamont.com um, and you'll be able to watch it there. We'll give you more details. And how can you time. find out what time this is on? Uh, on our <laughs> new schedule, which, is, which Tim has built. On the bottom of the page, since Google Calendars has stopped supporting the stuff that goes on the website, and it will auto-correct uh, to your time zone. It's we been weren't a bit certain about that, but you've been to several time zones and tested it for me. So well, it, thank it has you. been a bit temperamental, but I think it's settled down now. Uh, and news of a new partner as well for the early week coverage, the international uh, coverage. Uh, and there was one other thing I was going to say. Oh, and, and of course... Um, so we'll have Krilzy on next week for, I mean, honestly, everybody else stand down because me and Krilzy are going to talk about Bathurst and then we're going to talk about cricket. Um, and then because, we've got Matt I mean, Campbell. Spain. Yeah, and then we've got Matt Campbell. So it is the Down Under episode next week. Um, and, and with uh, Australia getting beaten and England winning gloriously in India, the cricket talk is going to be fantastic. Although there's another test match starting uh, on Friday, so it could have all turned around. Um but then we'll also we'll have uh, Midweek Motorsport live from the press room at Mount Panorama, uh, which will be Thursday for us and Wednesday for you. Um, 
in race week, that is. So that's a little bit further ahead. But I'm looking forward to that already. Uh, where to now, Tim? Great start to the new year for Hyundai, who have taken the Monte Carlo rally with Thierry Neville. Oh, yes, you mentioned that earlier, didn't you? Uh, he, uh, he did it all in uh, three hours, nine minutes, uh, 30.9 seconds, which put him 16 seconds ahead at the end of Sebastian Ogier. Mm. In the Toyota, was it a classic Monty? Gazoo Racing Yaris Rally One. Elvin Evans Monty? was third. Uh, yeah. Tanak fourth. Adrian Formo fifth. Andreas Mickelson fifth. Dakimoto Katsuta was seventh. Johan Vossel eighth. Pepe Lopez ninth. And Nikolai Gryatsin in the Citroen C3 Rally Two car was tenth. I was going to say that's a Rally Two car. Mm. Um, it, they didn't a have much snow. No. Uh, so, yeah, I was going to say, there was a lot, there was a lot of um, Rally 2 cars in the top 10. Um, I, I didn't have a lot of snow. I saw some onboard footage. It was still fantastic. It is still a great event. Um, it is a time trial, not a race. That's why it's called a rally, just before Nick says anything. Um, but it's right that it starts off the top of the season. And uh, so, you know, uh, Hyundai, congratulations to them. Yeah, new people in charge. And... A good start of the season. Uh, the how long will the <laughs> new uh, Gazoo Racing uh, livery last if they don't win next time out? That's the question. And next time out is uh, Sweden on Valentine's uh, weekend. Before it or after it? Because Valentine's Day is a Wednesday. It's a show night. Oh, is it? You can all bring me flowers. Yes. You don't bring me flowers anymore. Uh, you don't see me love songs. Two wheels, ish. Right, ish. <laughs> Two wheels, ish. We're talking about so sidecars. Oh, so that's three wheels then. Uh, for the first time ever, there will be a sidecar shootout oh, as part of the Goodwood members meeting. Really? Yes. Classic, classic sidecars? Yes. Oh, I want to go. I am... Des- I've always been desperate to be a sidecar passenger in the chair. There's not a chair, though. No. I've always wanted to do it. I nearly got to do it a few years ago. And uh, actually, that would have been a better time so I could get into me Pompey's leathers, which I certainly can't now. But, oh, it This is uh, Saturday the 13th, Sunday the 14th of April. Uh, competition will take place across mm. the weekend with the shootout. Uh, specifically on the Sunday. So they're not going to have a race. They're going to have a, a shootout. Single, single combination suit uh, outfit. The outfit man behind the uh, bringing this to Goodwood is eight-time Superside FIM World Sidecar Champion Tim Reeves, mm. uh, who's renowned for co-piloting alongside uh, uh, people like Patrick Fowns and Ashley Hawes. Some of the most iconic drivers and passengers will include 14-time TT winner and three-time FIM world champion Ben Birchall. Can you imagine a, a, a combination, an outfit around the TT? That is nonsense, isn't it? Just nonsense. And nobody's... Accelerate quicker than a Formula One car and you're not strapped on. <laughs> uh, the meeting would also feature... Uh, classic Tim Tops, GTs, uh, open world Formula 3 and Formula 1 cars. Classic Tim Tops sounds like right up my street. 
Can I tell you about international C? International C uh, license holders are available if required. Um, possibly. Uh, you need weekend. to be a member and uh, also to be invited. Uh, can I tell you about uh, a contemporary tin top? Uh, yes, very quickly. Uh, very quickly, because... Uh, um, oh, where's that story gone? This one here. Uh, this is British Touring Cars. A new team, LKQ Europarts, uh, have uh, picked up Josh Cook to drive in one of two Toyota Corollas. Uh, his teammate has not been announced yet. Uh, but that's that very brief bit of news in brief. And finally, brief. some northern, uh, northeastern news. Yeah. Uh, when was the first time you went to Croft, John? Probably the late 1960s, but it wasn't a racetrack then. I went there for a county show. Um... Do you remember the tunnel? I see, Bradley, I think Bradley might. I, I Actually, no, I, I don't think either of us were there when the tunnel was there. The tunnel might be was wrong, open actually. until 1980. Oh, oh no, well then, no, both, uh, yeah, well, both of us have been there since then. I, 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 I tell a lie. Uh, they have found it. Uh, <laughs> while they were doing some work, they've, they've uncovered the, the tunnel and uh, started to dig it out. Really? They're going to reinstate it? Uh, yes, but not as a tunnel for pedestrians, and certainly not as All a right. tunnel for vehicles, because modern-day vehicles are far too big to go through it. Uh, yeah. Some of the uh, 70s vehicles were just about uh, uh, getting through it. Uh, no, it's going to be used for cable ducting. All right. And other services. Hmm. Um... Time for some 24-hour news? Uh, yes, we can do some 24-hour news. Shall we start in Dubai? We shall. Uh, thank you for your, all your support of the weekend. And uh, it was a cracking race. Uh, Nick and I didn't see very... I got up early to make sure everything was working, so I was up at sort of 3.30, o'clock on Saturday morning where I was. Uh, and just proving once again, Nick, how good the Audi R8 is. Another Audi yes. R8 team winning at the Hankook 24 Hours of Dubai, the 19th running of the Middle East's 24-hour race. Yeah, I mean, it was, it was a... Um, yeah, I mean, I really didn't see very much of it. I literally just almost just popped in and popped out to the live timing was wasn't in the press room at, uh, at Daytona but yeah I mean it's, it's certainly they didn't get it wasn't a massive win I think it just got to be a, about a lap towards the end um, 90 some good seconds battles in the, yeah just yeah, over some 90 good seconds some good battles in the classes it was uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing the highlights this weekend yeah <laughs> uh, so uh, it was the uh, Easter Lent racing team uh, that was Chris Haase, Reicher, Winkelhock, uh, Zhao and Magnus uh, ahead of the Proton Huber competition uh, GT3R Porsche. As I say, they were 96 seconds behind. Century Motorsport uh, won in GT3 Pro-Am and were third overall. That was the um, Lewis Plato-headed team. Uh, Eber Motors second there and fourth overall. Uh, Century Motorsport won the AM 
in GT3, fifth overall with uh, their number 14 BMW, so a good weekend for Century, uh, with uh, Santa Luck in second and Haas RT in third. A big win for the uh, Breukers family outing. We've had three Breukers and a Fabian dance. <coughs> uh, 11th, just outside the top 10. That tells you how reliable the GT3s were, actually. Uh, just outside the top 10 and... Uh, uh, how many laps did they do? Oh, it doesn't say on there. Um, so, um, congratulations to them because the 992 class is always very, uh, very hard fought. Uh, they beat the one of the local teams, QMMF, which is the Qatar uh, Motorcycle and Motor Racing Federation. That's an HRT car in a second, but they won AM. And FAC Auto Tech uh, were in third position. Uh, as Nick said, there was some great racing uh, further down. Uh, GTX eventually went to the Janetta G55 Cup Evo, the two Lawrence, the two Tomlinsons, uh, uh, along with Nico Prost, who jumped into that. And which Simpson would that have been in their team? Um, oh, that's terrible. I should know that. We were commentating on him not so long ago, but I've dumped it out of my head. Michael Simpson, there you go, came back. Yes. Um, uh, and in T, a GT4 Continental Racing by TTR won in a GR Supra, genuine GT4. Um, that was the uh, uh, Russian entered car. And in TCR, uh, Simpson Motorsport with their RS3 uh, won. Uh, in that category. TCX, Colin White, the G55, got that car to the end. He'd have been disappointed that he didn't win TCE uh, as well. Uh, fantastic run. Uh, quite a long, uh, quite a long um, uh, code 60, uh, but they still managed over 600 laps and long code 60 early on for barrier repairs when one of the GT, I think it was the 937, I want to say went in early, one of the Porsches, um, and that car uh, damaged the barriers uh, onto the back straight. Uh, and uh, 927 it was, it was the Zorg Rensport car. Um, and that caused well over an hour of, uh, of Code 60. Uh, there was a bit of a sandstorm at the start as well, which was uh, quite funny uh, for those people who didn't have to endure it. Uh, and it didn't stop the start of the race. Quick word about Daytona before we disappear, Nick. Uh, another cracking event. It's got my... We don't have an event of the year in our, our end of season. Perhaps we should. We have race that of the gets, year. We have race of the year. I just thought the whole event, Nick, was fantastic. Every single race we saw was was brilliant. Yeah, I mean, it was it was absolutely yeah, you had a fantastic couple of um, Mazda races. You had a really intriguing pilot race. I didn't arrive in time to see the VP Challenge, but I'm sure that was excellent as well. No, well, no, that was on the previous Sunday. Don't forget. Oh well, that was that was completely different. Um, no, I think it was it was a really intriguing race the whole way through. The um, the statements by everybody that Cadillac were going to run run away with it obviously didn't come true. Um, I think Porsche would be would be exceptionally pleased with the performance, not because they won it, because they had all four cars really competitive, including the two privateer cars. Um, yeah, I think at one point there were four of the top five were, um, were Porsches. Yeah. Um, 
Acura obviously were minging about the... Uh, and who uh, won the Rolex 24 hours at Daytona then? No one hasn't finished yet. Well, <laughs> the first car that completed 24 hours was the number 74 Riley Ranch Resort LMP2. 24 hours, 4 minutes and 1.87 seconds. Now, there were 24 laps, surprisingly, down on the leader, but that's the first one I can see yeah, completed see the, see the 24 that, hours. Well, that would matter at Le Mans. It doesn't matter at uh, Daytona, does it? Mm. <laughs> yes. So the rest of the, yes, because the rest of them haven't completed the last lap yet. Haven't finished it, yeah. They're, yeah. Still, they're, still, they're still waiting to finish. Yeah. Um, Imsa put their hands up and uh, said there was a miscommunication and they mistimed it. They showed it to the wrong prototype. That's what happened. I think that's probably true. We'll probably never get to the bottom of it, and I'm not going to criticise. I like Brian Till's post. Stuff Everybody happens. makes mistakes. Yeah, and, I, more import- and more importantly, I don't believe it affected the result at all. No, I agree. Pete Durrani was very gentlemanly about all of that. He said the pass for the lead, which I think was Dan Cameron at, at the time uh, in the car. Philippe Nasa finished it uh, um, well, did he? Did Dave finished it off? That's right. Um, he said it was outstanding, and he couldn't have held them back. And then they went away, and even with the late safety car, it still worked rather well. Uh, classes uh, were just as exciting. Era Motorsport won a race-long battle with CrowdStrike, Riley, uh, and United Autosport were in there as well. And the the two GT classes were outstanding. Um, hugely well pop- I'm going to have to say the GTD was outstanding GT Pro just disappeared up its own backside didn't it, it was, uh, the only car that got anywhere near the actual end of the race by miles was that Reese car in the end well it was fine until about the last two hours actually you, you, mm. you're right um, but it was, a, it was a very very popular win for Giuseppe Reese uh, I think you spoke to him at once and yeah, yeah. Joe spoke to him as well uh, I've not heard Giuseppe quite as um, well I've not heard him say that much um, <laughs> in probably the 20 odd years nearly 30 years that I've been going to the States so between you and Joe you got a lot out of him uh, they won by a lap at the end but that was more down to where the leader was uh, than anything else but they had the better part of a lap on the Paul Sitters A all racing uh, at the end and GTD a win for Winwood Racing, who had a great weekend. Daniel Morad almost um, almost doing the double, but came second on the Friday race as well, which we've talked about with Riley Dickinson. Uh, and that was about... Actually, that should have been a BMW win for Paul Miller Racing. Uh, but they cooked their brakes. They had an issue with their brakes. So mm. the ABS stopped working, started working, stopped working. And that and the wheel got stuck on. And then the wheel got stuck on, and that was all she wrote. Tim, what's next? (laughs) Nick uh, mentioned Le Mans, which uh, reminded me that uh, Le Mans has made an announcement this week, and it involves these guys who've been around for the last 45 years. Simple Minds. They'll be playing on Saturday night at Le Mans. Oh, okay. It's on Friday or Thursday. It's called um, Somebody Attack. Louise Attack. Um, she's sold three million. Who's on? Who's the two French bands? There's, there's one on It's often often back on uh, Friday. And who's the first one? Uh, Thursday night is. Thursday. Uh, 
is um, who is on Thursday? Somebody attack. Uh, Big is Flo that... and Ollie are on Thursday. Oh, Big Flo is fantastic. Uh, <laughs> and Wednesday is uh, Louise Attack. Lu- Louise Attack has sold all of three million records last year. Yes. Well, that include downloads. Well, this year had no, six million no, 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 no. downloads. Three million records since it was released in 1997. Oh, okay. Well, last year, this show had six million downloads, which I think means we should be doing a spot on Wednesday night. Oh, no, we will be. <laughs> that is true. Oh. Interestingly, um, Louise Attack uh, doesn't have anyone called Louise in it. Well, that's called, all right. Now that does Florence and the Machine, does it? They're called... Uh, Frankie Goes to Hollywood. Oh, no. Robin and uh, Gaetan. There wasn't a Frankie and Frankie Goes to Hollywood. That's also true. There wasn't a Dave Beetle and his brothers in the Beattle, the singing Beattle brothers, was there? No, okay. You are just... That, that is not... What are we just playing through here? Greatest hits of Simple Minds. Yeah. Going back okay. to Saturday. Get, because Do we get, get Waterfront next? Also on the Saturday, for the first time... Around the Lamborghini Super Trofeo is going to be one of the support races for the 24 Hours of Le Mans. Is it? Yes. Uh, coinciding with uh, Lamborghini's uh, return to Ipecar. Which will they be in? Will they be in GT? They'll be in, GT, they'll be in um, P3 this time, eh? In what three? GT. Yeah. Sorry, sorry. Yes, yeah, so they're coming back to Hypercar with the SC63. It's late. <laughs> Uh, and of course, and there's uh, Roger Le Mans uh, once again with two 55-minute races on Thursday and Saturday. I'm told, I'm told by Eve, there's no Christine and Christine and the Queens either. Oh, just a bunch of Queens then. Well, there was no Queen in Queens. HMQ was definitely not in Queen. I got a question for you, John. Just sure. I know, I know, I know. Nick a minute thing. Right, World Superbikes are testing in Portimao at the moment. Yes. Now, first of all, do you know who else is, is, is just having a bit of fun in Portimao? Has done or is I doing? No, with at the same time. Well, I, I know um, Verstappen was testing there. Oh, with, well, no, no. This he was having no, fun with his mates in a whole load of GT3 and GT4 yeah, cars no, this, back in the air. Basically, most of the MotoGP guys are there, but of course they're not allowed to test their MotoGP bikes. They're on, they're on superbikes. They're on road-going superbikes that are being you, you know, yeah, yeah, breathed on. Yeah, that's standard, standard. So Marquez is going round in a Ducati, and uh, you've got um, Valentino is going round as well on a is road he? bike as well. Yeah, not so any BMW. Um, I saw some. I saw some times yesterday. Right. So the fastest time for a full-on world superbike, I think, it was one thirty-nine-eight. Right. What did Francesco Bagnaia do in a tarted-up Ducati street bike? What did you say? One thirty-nine-eight. Uh, a forty. A 43, four seconds off. No, you did a 42 flat. He did not. Because those, that's just going to He did you, not. Str- obviously, it's on the slicks, but yeah, that's, that's, that's why they find that it's quite useful to do training on these these road bikes now they're so powerful. What did you do round Portimao and your tarted up straight bike? Let's not, let's not go around with that now. <clears throat> did you do uh, Did you break Put it this minutes? way, it would have taken him six laps to lap me. <laughs> so you didn't break two minutes? No, 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 no. no. Okay. That's for next time. Okay. Uh, next week, Nick will be joining us from Cartagena in uh, 
in Spain, Spain after a after a track test uh, of his motorcycle. Do not bin it on Wednesday because we need you for the show. Seems fair enough. Thursday you can do what you like. <laughs> Thanks for that. <laughs> we love you. Don't bin it on Wednesday. Uh, and we'll be back at the same time, 8 o'clock. Have and can I just say... Mo- yeah, we haven't got any motorsport this weekend, have we? No. Can I just yeah. say that uh, the current incarnation of Dave D. Dozy, Beaky, Mick and Titch does not include anyone called Dave any D. or Dozy or Beaky or Mick or Titch. So there. Well, Dave D. was one person, of course. Yes. It wasn't Dave Comedy. It was Dave D. Dozy, Beaky, Mick and Titch. Um, but uh, tomorrow night, it's the same cast. And do we have the return of On The Grid tomorrow night? No. Oh, OK. They're having a good old long time It's off. still January. Uh, yeah. They'll be back okay. soon. That sounds good. Back next week, same bat time, same bat channel. I'm tempted to say that um, there'll be no more Formula One coverage because we feel that they'll get more out of us talking about them <laughs> but I won't because we're not stupid and all about the money money <laughs> money what's it all about Nick money money uh, no time to explain the llama's off to bank a large cheque this programme is a radio show limited production for more subscribe to Midweek Motorsport wherever you get your podcasts